The Bearcat Basketball Podcast is now presented by the Healthcare Management Group. Shout out to everyone at HCMG, and thank you for the support. Bearcat fans, I'm excited to welcome in my next guest, and you know, I've had him on the show several times. He's always a big hit. He's the Cincinnati Bearcat beat reporter for the Cincinnati Enquirer. My guy, Keith Jenkins. What's going on, Keith? Guess who's the Zach? <laughs> gotta drop a I gotta drop a J lyric off the top, right? Oh, no question. And you know, every time you come on the podcast, I mean we we've gotta talk about a wide range of things and we can you and I, when you call me or I call you, we just start talking about like everything beyond yeah. basketball we could have a podcast just on our own just talking about whatever yeah man no nah, man it's good to it's good to link up with you man how you been always doing well man doing well just uh glad we have some good weather here in the in the nasty natty um well well let me say that i know it rained but i'm glad we're out of the the cold and the snow i'm, I'm sure you are too as well no doubt. Maybe we got maybe two more weeks of summer. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth, man. Now you you've been on the beat here uh, for two years now, right? You just had your anniversary. I did. June first was my my two year anniversary. What a what a slow, boring, like just nothing has happened in two years, right? <laughs> nothing. 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 Uh, <laughs> no, nah, but it's been it's been fun, man. It's been fun being back home, and obviously a lot of great things and and uh, wild things, you know, good and bad and and different have happened on the beat. So it's been a good time to to be a Bearcats fan and to cover the Bearcats. And, and, and would you say in your two years, what has been either you know the the story that has really captivated you that you take the most pride in, like the one story you've done, if there's one. Oh man, that's a that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I really enjoyed obviously the, the the growth of this football program and seeing you know up close what Luke Fickle and his staff and, and those players um, have done, particularly guys like Desmond Ritter and 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 Myjay and Kobe and Sauce and so many others, right? I mean, just the work that those guys put in to really put, um, you know, that platform on the biggest, on, on a bigger stage, that's been a lot of fun. And of course, being able to be with Dez on, you know, for his draft experience and, and seeing, you know, his big moment and seeing that with his family and friends. And so that, I mean, that was a lot of fun, but then, you know, playing cat with Wes, you know, Wes Miller and, and, yeah. you know, no one's doing that. Like, you know, and, and I, who will do that? Like not not a lot of coaches, um, you know, would be willing to maybe look bad on camera, you know, like you know, may, miss a few shots, and you know, and and but Wes was a great sport, and we had a lot of fun, and he kicked my ass, right? But <laughs> but but it was fun, like, and it was it was different, and I think the fans really enjoyed it, and um, he and I just talked about it the other day about trying to come up with something something again, you know, just a little out of the box and something fun yeah. that I'll enjoy, he'll enjoy, and the fans ultimately will enjoy. 
um, as we're as we're gearing up for his season number two. Man, you set up so many things that I want to talk about. <laughs> you that was a that was a perfect setup. Um, tell everyone how they can get your content and how they can follow you. Yeah, um, Mr. Keith Jenkins on all socials, Mr. M R K E I T H J E N K I N S, and then uh, KeithJenkins.com is my personal website, and then uh, Cincinnati.com um, is my employer. Shout out to the Cincinnati Enquirer. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I want to jump into we're going to talk uh, UC football, of course. We, we've really got to take a deep dive into that and. We're going to talk some UC basketball, this being the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Um, and then, of course, we've got to talk music and shoes. Okay. So you, you, you ready? Let's do it. All right. This segment is sponsored by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Cincinnati. They have a new flexible bachelor's degree that will allow you to graduate conveniently and affordably, and you won't lose any credit or have to start over. So, so Keith, let's start with uh, some football talk. And, and let's take it back a little bit, not too long ago, but the Bearcats had a huge draft day, nine players drafted. Can you talk about the impact of that on this program? Huge. And, you know, I remember a year ago uh, for the 2021 draft, I spoke with Luke about that draft, and he said, just wait. He's like, this 2021 draft is just going to be – um, a precursor or just a little tease of what we're cooking here because the 2022 draft is going to be a record setter. And he was right. I mean, we, I think we all knew it, seeing the names that were on that roster and, and what was ahead. But, you know, his goal has been to build a top 10 program. And the cool thing right now, if you're a UC football fan, and, and a lot of your listeners are obviously, um you're watching and, and, and experiencing and witnessing it right before your eyes. You're 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 literally seeing the program shift and and, and get to a bigger plateau. Um, and and it was a big part of that was that 2022 draft. And you know, Sauce obviously kicked things off with the with the number four overall pick. But it was just guy after guy after guy. And 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 then you, the thing is, none of these guys are like you know, afterthoughts or just roster fillers. Like, these are imp high-impact players who will play next season. Like, I mean, you know, Brian Cook will play next season. Alec Pierce is going to play for the Colts as a rookie and have an impact. You know, Desmond Ritter could start for the Falcons this season. So, um, I mean, this is these are these were great players who really transformed – a program and you know it, it just it's it's fun to see them accomplish their dreams and, and start this new chapter um but that draft man is i mean it, it was it, i mean it was one of the most successful drafts in the history of college football period whether whatever program you want to you want to sure. throw out there um but it, it's just it, it it it's still i'm not used to it yet it still blows my mind that all yeah. of this is happening at UC. Like this, this stuff doesn't happen here. But you know, shout out to Luke Fickle and his and his staff for um, having a mission and carrying out that mission. And it's it's been an impressive thing to watch. I agree. And so one of the things that I've absolutely loved, and all those guys you just talked about getting drafted, um, for the last two years you've watched them grow and mature. 
And, you know, for a lot of those guys, you know, I go over to the university and I, I speak to the football team um, every year. And I remember speaking to guys like Sauce when he first got there. Uh, and, and a lot of those guys, Brian B. Cook, when he first got there. So to see them at that stage and then to see them on that stage of the NFL draft is like, wow. I, I remember Sauce coming up and talking to me and telling me, they call him Sauce, and I'm like Sauce. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> but you know, fast forward, and he, he's definitely earned that name. And so, let me ask you this: I, I saw this kind of debate going around, and I want to ask your opinion on this. I, I have an opinion, but want to get yours first. Um, do you think that the Bearcat success, football-wise, this past season and making it to the to the bowl game? Uh, which do you think was bigger, that success or the success of the NFL draft in in terms of helping to get the program to the next, next level? Um, or do they both go hand in hand? No, nah, and that's, I was going to say that. I do think it goes hand in hand. Look, I think – I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I was I, – I just did a feature on Nick Mardner, and he's the – Hawaii transfer wide receiver who, you know, yep. will vie for that that void that Alec Pierce has left behind. Um, he told me I was watching Cincinnati. I was watching, and he was on the Hawaiian island of Oahu, you know, however many miles away, and he was just like, something was going on over there. And, you know, I was impressed with what Luke Fick, he said Coach Fick, I was impressed with what Coach Fick was doing over there and what he was, you know, how he was building the program and seeing guys like Alec Pierce and, and Desmond Ritter and, and, and these guys are going to be able to have an opportunity to play as rookies in the NFL. And, and so that stage was, was everyone's watching. There's, there's four teams, right? There's only, so all of college football, all eyes are on those four teams and, you know, whether Cincinnati won or lost, it was a huge platform for them. And, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, look, obviously they didn't win that game, but they went toe-to-toe with Alabama for a large portion of that of that game. You know, if if that slant route to Alec Pierce in the end zone wasn't batted down at the line of scrimmage, you know, who knows what the outcome would have been. I mean, that one mm-hmm. score could have changed all, everything. But it's just being able to be on that stage, and not just that stage, but – the journey it took to get there. So watching them climb up the poles and getting as high as number two in the AP poll and, you know, everyone's watching and trying to like, what is going on at Cincinnati? Something's happening. And when you talk to Nick Marner, a guy who's from Canada and a guy who was playing football at Hawaii at a high level, he's like, I want to play there. And that's, that's what's happening right now is there's a curiosity going on where, you know, we're seeing four-star recruits. You know, it used to be news when UC got a three-star. Like, oh, my gosh, they just signed a three-star? Now it's mm-hmm. like, no, they. that's what we do now. It's, it's You're not coming here unless you at least have three stars. But now it's like these four-stars are coming because they see that, wait, this is different. Like, there is something special brewing here, and I want to be a part of it. And, of course, the move to the Big 12 – all of this is just coming together and creating this perfect storm. 
and I'm 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 sure I'm like spoiling a, a a next topic, but we saw what happened, you know, this this past weekend where there was just an explosion of commitments. Um, yeah, and 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 that happens that happens from time to time, but one, it doesn't happen at Cincinnati, but it also doesn't <laughs> happen with this level of like they got a four star corner that could have went anywhere. Yep. Um they got high three stars and it's it's getting to the point now where you know it used to be a huge deal when a four star would commit they're just like Derek Shepard came, Mario came, Trevor came, like they're they're just coming and and it, this is this is the top 10 program that Luke Fickle had envisioned. He's not quite there yet, but we're watching it happen and it's just it's again, it's crazy <laughs> but yeah. it's uh it's it's really cool man and and to see all the work that Luke and his recruiting staff and coaching staff and just they've worked so hard and to see it happen is just it's just it's really really cool yeah so and, and the reason I asked you that question was you know I was with several uh Bearcat fans football fans and we were talking about the season and we were talking about the draft and, you know, there, there was a guy and he was talking about the impact of the draft and how it was uh, the one thing in his eyes that was going to take the program to the next level, even bigger than, you know, you know, playing Alabama. And, and I told him, I thought the two went hand in hand. And what this reminds me of, if you go back and you really look at it, What's going on with the UC football program, we've seen this before, and that was hugs with the basketball program. Think about it. He made the run to the Final Four. That stage of the Final Four, playing Michigan, the stage of the football program, playing Alabama. Then you get these guys drafted, the Nick Van Exels, the Corey Blunts, and then you start to see the influx of all these talented players start to come in that – you know, Hugs had that run for, for years with talented guys. It's kind of that we've seen this before. It's obviously a, a different sport. And, you know, the momentum is really fun. So, and the reason, I, and I'm glad you answered it the way you did, I think the two go hand in hand, much like it did with the basketball program. The Final Four kind of set that stage. Because yeah. people around the world were like, or around the country were like, I'm not really familiar with Cincinnati. But we all know Michigan. Right. We all know the Fab Five, and these guys are going toe to toe with the Fab Five. No so, doubt, no doubt. You know, so, so I think a lot of uh, a lot of similarities there. But let me ask you this question here: uh, a, another debate I've had with uh, some friends of the nine guys that were drafted, who, in your opinion, will have the biggest impact this coming season in the NFL? That's a good question, and. I think I think the first answer that comes to mind is probably Alec Pierce. Um I, I just agree. think he's I think he's in a great situation. Um I 100%. think the Col- Colts have great pieces there, great complimentary pieces. Jonathan Taylor, they have an experienced veteran quarterback, um, who I think still has some gas in the tank and, and, and he's he's won a league MVP, led a team to a Super Bowl, Matt Ryan of course. Um, but I think Alec Pierce has the opportunity to play right away there. He has Reggie Wayne as his position coach. 
um, you know, one of the greatest wide receivers ever, especially in the history of that franchise. So it, it's it's just a, a perfect storm for him to really get in there and do great work right away. And I mean, the only concern with Alec is you just you want him to stay healthy, and because he's had some nagging injuries here. But man, I just if he can stay healthy and he's just in a great spot where he can just really do damage right away. And there's some other guys, of course, but if there's one and and like. As I'm talking, I'm thinking back to your previous question. Like it, it, having all of these guys. If you're a big time college football player, let's keep it 100. Like your goal is to get to the league. Like yep. that's it. I mean, you you know yep. you want to. I need to. I'm trying to put myself in the best position to get in the NFL. And so you're seeing, yeah, Georgia does it, LSU does it, Bama does it, Ohio State does it. Wait, Cincinnati does it? Right. Shoot. Like and so it's it's yeah that I agree and and we said it it goes hand in hand but to see nine guys and then three more guys I think it was a signed free agent deal so we're talking twelve that are in training camps and I mean it's just it's crazy but yeah no not to digress like Alec Pierce is in a good spot and uh, it's funny like I wanted I told Dez I, I'd love for you to go to Colts because I think it'd be a great opportunity he ended up in a great spot um, in Atlanta but. I remember talking to him before the draft, like, man, if you can go to the Colts, they got so many great pieces, and then you could learn behind Matt Ryan for a year or two and just take over. But to have Alec Pearson there, he he really, um, you know, fell into a good spot. So I'm I'm rooting for him, and and we'll see how he does that first year. And I had a friend who was at some of the NFL Combine things, and he he played in the NFL, and he texted me and he said man, this Alec Pierce kid is special. He's like, how well do you know him? And I'm like, ah, just, just casually. I don't know him really well. And he's like, man, this this kid really is special. And this, this guy won a Super Bowl. Like, he knows what he's talking about. And the more and more you hear about Alec from, the, you know, people within the NFL, I mean, this this this, this kid's special. And we, and we know that, know that, obviously. So, um, yeah, I hope he does well. And but but you mentioned something that I want to segue into, and and that is Des Ritter. And you spent some time with Des Ritter. And I thought you did a fantastic job. I actually called you and we spoke when you were on your way down to to Louisville uh, to spend some time with with him and his family on draft day. Can you talk about that that whole experience? I thought it was really cool to hear your perspective about that. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. It it, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, before the draft. I was trying to figure out – I mean, obviously, this was going to be an, a, a historic draft for Cincinnati, and I wanted to figure out where I should be. You know, where is the most captivating story? What story would Bearcats fans want to want to read and, 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 and consume most? And, you know, I pitched it to Sauce, and, you know, I, I, I thought about going to Vegas and, you know, being with Sauce and, and, and really capturing – you know, that historic, you know, highest drafted player ever, that would have been cool. But I just felt like, you know, Dez was different. Dez is, mm-hmm. a, is a kid that, you know, look, his story in itself is just amazing. Like, you know, his mom having him when she was 15, dad, biological father wasn't around. And, um, you know, the things that she had to do and his family had to do to keep him on the right path and, um, not having a whole lot of offers, you know, he had two offers when he committed. It was Cincinnati and Eastern Kentucky, and um, he wasn't a great passer. He was a great athlete, but he was not a great passer when he got here. And just to see his growth as a player, as a man, 
you know, he, he got here at what, 17, he left 22 with a kid, right? Like it's just, yeah. we, we saw him truly grow into a young man and, you know, he never, you know, look, I only experienced his junior and senior years. I wasn't here on the beat um, for his freshman and sophomore years, but I was still a fan and I was, a, I was a watching him from afar and I saw his mistakes. I saw his awesome plays and just to see him grow and, and never change, never waver, never, you know, never, even as fans were saying, get him out of here, put Ben Bryant in, you know, he, he stayed. Hey, Keith, the I, 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 I gotta, I gotta say something here. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. When yeah. I, I've got season tickets to UC football, and the folks around me were calling for Dez's head. They wanted him out of the game. Yeah. And what, what I loved about Coach Fickle in that moment, he heard all the chatter. He heard everyone saying, "Take Dez out," and he refused to. He yeah. goes. I see something in this kid. I'm with him every day. And I love that because fans only get a short glimpse of, of players. They're not with them on the on the grind every single day. And Fickle stuck with him. He didn't he didn't succumb to all the pressure from fans saying this and that. He he stuck they were they were I mean, you could hear fans yelling it. I guarantee you the players could hear it on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's uh it was palpable, like the injury, the the energy, the um, you know what was it? The, what was it? The army game? I think he struggled, or I can't remember that that junior year. But you know he had some struggles there early, and it was like, and we knew like, wait, but this this Cincinnati team has an opportunity to do something special, and is Des going to be the reason they don't get there? And um, it was the COVID pause. And I remember interviewing Mike Denbrock, and and all of a sudden after that pause, I think it was a 28-day pause, Des just came out firing. Like he just he looked like a different player. He looked more free. He was he wasn't afraid to you know make plays with his feet. You know he was just and, and his his ball looked better. And and Mike Denbrock was just like I just I told him to trust his players. Like do you know these guys? Well then trust them. Go out there and just play football. And, like, Dez just went out there and freaking balled. And, I mean, he played so well, they get all the way to the Peach Bowl, and it, it, they Gino had to tell Gino Gadulli, offensive coordinator, now he was the quarterback's coach at the time, but he had to he had to tell Ben, hey, bro, like, <laughs> it ain't going to work out for you here, bro. Like, you, you need to go. We, Dez is our guy. So that's what made Ben go to Eastern and Eastern Michigan. And, and then ultimately now he's back and him and Evan are, are vying for that spot. But to get back to your question, like, you know, the story was Dez. It was Dez. I mean, of all the nine guys who, who were drafted, he was in my mind the biggest story, the the, the biggest story that fans um, I felt would appreciate and really enjoy. And um, being able to be there with him and his family and his his longtime girlfriend and daughter and his mom mm-hmm. and um, being able to, I had never met, um, you know, Miss Ritter, Sarah, I I had never met her um, before that experience and just having an opportunity to chop it up with her. And um, I mean, there's so many funny stories, like, you know, she didn't want to be on camera and I said, that's fine. I just, I just want to make sure I get you for my print story. We don't have to do with something on cam. Um, and, uh, and so we, we didn't put her on camera, but, after he was drafted, 
there was like there were so many like celebrations going on at this spot in Louisville and uh I go outside and and I I find her and I'm like so so when can I talk to you and I hope she doesn't mind me telling the story but uh she's like uh can I curse on your podcast are you is that cool? <laughs> yeah yeah no you're fine you're fine go ahead go ahead so, so uh so shout out to shout out to mama Ritter. she she's like I'm like so when when can I talk to you and she's like why the fuck do you want to interview me? And again, she and I, the, she and, she's really cool, and she and I are the same age, and so it, it's, it's dope. And uh, I'm like, because your fucking son just got drafted. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but it, it was just it was just a really cool vibe, man. And, yeah. and obviously he had to sit for a little bit, but um, it's funny, like he had a box of, of hats um, off to the side right behind the couch that he and his family were seated on. And that box was sitting there for the two days. And the first hat at the top of that box was the Atlanta Falcons the entire time. And it was just, I mean, it was like fate, right? Like, of course. And he said when that Atlanta Georgia phone number came across his phone, he knew that that's exactly where he needed to be. Like he thought this team or that team, or he thought I should have went earlier or whatever, whatever. But when he saw that number, he's like, Atlanta, yup, let's do it. So, that was a special that was special for me it was you know and look i it's in my job i just i just want to do my very best to tell these guys stories um tell these young women's stories tell these coaches stories and um you know that's the mission and so being there in louisville shout out to albert my my photographer who was there with me you know we just really wanted to to do to do it justice and capture it the right way I'm 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 glad it came out well. I'm glad fans enjoyed it. You know, it was, we do it for you guys. So, you know, Des, yeah. I, I pitched it to him. He was down. He had saw what we did with with Derek Forrest the previous draft. He's like, mm-hmm. man, I would love for you to come down to my hometown and kick it with me. And we did it, and it was a lot of fun. And and you know, I'm really I'm really happy for him. And and man, we know man, he's a great kid. And you know, he's going to make it extremely difficult for the Falcons to keep him off that field. <laughs> yeah, no. And I'm glad you did that story because the success I think this program has had, you, you've got to put a lot on Des and, and, and just like you talked about the adversity he's had to deal with. And I thought the other unique piece to it, and you have mentioned this, but and when we talked about this when you called me on the way down there, is that you felt like there was a connection between you and Des. There were a lot of similarities between you and Des. Yeah, yeah, we're both we're both biracial. You know, his mom's white, his dad's black, his biological father's black, as is mine. Um, you know, shout out to both of my parents, but you know, my dad wasn't always there. You know, everybody know Keith Jenkins Senior. He was the you know big time football player at UC, um, and he was very instrumental in my football career and you know helping me getting my first offer, which was from. My first D1 offer was from UC and, um, you know, and I, so, but, you know, growing up, he went through some hardships. My father went to prison and and some other things. And so, you know, just my mom had to grind to do what she had to do um, to provide and made a lot of sacrifices to make sure that I was okay and that I had what I needed to you know, have a happy childhood and it'd be safe and protected and nurtured and all of those things. And 
have good influences around me and make sure that I was on the right path and, you know, get into good schools and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, just, just chopping it up with, with Sarah and, and, you know, gaining an understanding of what she went through. And, um, and you know, in that story, the draft story, I didn't get too much in the Dez's pre, I mean, I really wanted to hone in on that moment. You know, I wanted to be most about how he felt in those moments and how the family felt and just capturing that draft day experience. But, you know, it, it meant a lot, you know, those two days and that ultimately, that ultimate moment because of what he's been through um, and what that family has been through and what that family had to do to, to get him to that point and what he's had to do to, to get him to that point. So, yeah, there were, there were, there's definitely a lot of um, similarities and, you know, I've, I've joked with Des a lot. Like I remember I went to a, a, a Hooks fish and chicken one time for lunch and uh, I had my Navy credential with me. I just left UC to pick up my credential for the Navy game and uh, the guy behind the counter thought I was Desmond Ritter. And I was like, <laughs> hey, look, like I'm, 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 I'm almost six one, not quite Desmond, but six four. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm one ninety five. He's two fifteen, two twenty. Um, and I'm like, he's like, you look, are you Desmond Ritter? Do I look like this? And I told Des this story, and he's like, I guess all us mixed dudes look alike. All us like you. So, yeah, man, it, you know, Des is, is such a great kid, man. And, and I hate saying the word kid. He's a good, he's a young man, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was obviously yeah. a special time. And, and I was, we have a book out there um, called Breaking Down Barriers that chronicles UC's, UC football's great 2021 season. And, um I was able to give them a couple copies of that book and, and Sarah was so excited and it just, just to be able to be there and, and experience that. And I, just to be on a flight. I mean, I kept telling Des like, look, man, whatever you want to do with me while I'm here, I'm down. Like it's your world. I just want to be a fly on the wall. If you want to take me on a tour and show me your high school and you know, whatever you yeah. want to do, I don't want to get in the way. I just want to capture your moment and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I really think that we did a good job with that, and I'm excited. I was excited to see how the fans would respond. The response was great. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, and um, I mean, that's why we do it. Like stuff like that is exactly why we do it. Yeah, and I think in your two years um, with the inquiry, that's my favorite piece that you've done by far. And I, I, I check out all your stuff. That, that's my favorite um, your piece. That's your holy grail, my man. Um, but I, one thing I want to say about Des that, you know, you, you look at sometimes in life, you know, everything doesn't work out perfectly in your, your journey in life. But I think along Des's journey, he's always had this, you know, chip on his shoulder, right? Even coming to UC and battling through adversity and then with the draft day, not going where he wanted to go in terms of the, you know, um, the order of the draft, and you could hear it in his voice when he did get drafted, and I love that. And I was telling my dad, like, Dez is really upset, but that's going to fuel his fire, and I think he's going to have a lot of success because, and, and not to say he wouldn't if he was drafted higher and maybe in a position he thought he should go, um, but there's just, there's an edge. There's a chip now that I got to prove all these people that passed on me that they were wrong, and I'm going to do it. 
So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what he does. And, and like you said, he's a great young man, and, and uh, I, I think he's going to do very, very well. And with, with the success of Dez and the success of Alex Pierce and just so many other players, um, you know, a lot of these young players around not only the greater Cincinnati area, our region, but the country are seeing this success not only from a program standpoint, Keith, but an individual player standpoint. And that has helped out a tremendous amount with recruiting. And we saw a record day the other day with recruiting. Can you talk about, like, what what happened in those two days? I mean, I think it was like eight total recruits committed to, to uh, the Bearcats. It was like every time I picked up Twitter, another guy, another guy, high level. It's like, what is going on? Can, can you kind of help everyone get their arms around what happened? Yeah, I mean – you know, this is the time of year where coaches can get these recruits on campus and host camps and finally host some official visits and, and really, you know, sit down with these young men and, and, and chop it up with them and then also get them on the field and work them out. And so if you're if you're eyeing a prospect, if you're eyeing a recruit and he comes on your campus and you're like, wait, he's, he's as advertised, you know, we're going to offer this kid now, you know, the funny thing is when you get an offer from Cincinnati now, and this is what we've talked about, um, it holds a different weight, you know? So when, when it, when it, when a kid gets this offer, shoot, I might as well just commit now because I've been, I've been waiting for this opportunity. Like, and, and I get to go to Cincinnati and I can achieve all of my goals right here. I don't have to wait for, you know, an, an Ohio state or, a, you know, insert other, "Quote unquote Power Five program." I mean, it's just, and I—they're not done. Like he's got, he Luke Fickle and his staff—they've got camps all month of just where they're going to get players in and you know brick and prod them and interview them and and what what Luke Luke deserves a lot of credit. And I was talking, you know, Bob Huggins had an event last night and I was there talking to some people and they all wanted to know. Who's gonna be the quarterback? Ben Bryan, Evan Prater, and who's look good? And how does the you know, you know how that go? And um, mm-hmm. but uh, I um, I I I was telling one gentleman there um, that Luke Fickle deserves a lot of credit in that he recruits a specific kind of player and a specific kind of person. Um, and when you meet these football players, and I've interviewed the academic advisors and assistants and, and trainers, and all these all these guys are no sir, yes sir, no ma'am, yes ma'am. They look you in your eye, you know. They're respectful. They're humble. They're hard. Like they all have a commonality about them, um, whether it's a humility, you know, but still a, a confidence. But he looks for a certain type of individual to build this program with, and it's it's led it's it's been a a, a specific it's had a specific correlation to the success. Um, I mean, all these guys that we're rattling off: Arian Beavers, Alec Pierce, Jerome Ford, Sauce. Sauce, you would think, for those who've never had an opportunity to meet him. Would, you would think he'd have the biggest freaking ego of anybody ever. He's got the, he does the not. chain, he's got the name, he's got all the swag. The, and gr- all that the grill. Dude, he is the most humble, hardworking dude 
looks you in your eye, shakes your hand, respectful. Like, he's a different beast on the field, man. But when he's off that, he's just like an an ordinary, what is he, 20 years old. Um, And that's that's a credit to Luke Fickle and, and his staff. They look for a certain type. Does he fit what we're trying to do here? Is he going to be an issue? Is he going to be in the bad in the headlines doing doing bad things? Can we rely on him to be an, an, an a a good upstanding citizen? You know, and, and as we're doing community outreach projects and going out here and reading to elementary school kids, is that something that he's going to be interested in? And you know, all of these things go into you know outside of playing on Saturdays and, and, and Friday nights, Thursday, whatever, the game, like, we play all damn week now, it seems like. Um, <laughs> right. But Luke and his staff have a very specific mode that they're trying to fill when they're looking for a recruit. And it's not a coincidence that they've hit on so many of them. It's not a coincidence that so many of them have excelled academically. Um, you know, it's it's that's probably been the most impressive part is, He's built this thing while also maintaining his core ethics and standards and, you know, making sure that he's, you know, yeah, this guy is, man, he's supremely talented, but he's got some questionable history and I don't know about his attitude and is he going to be a team player? And, like, sometimes, look, talent is talent. And if you got a lot of it, a lot of that other stuff just falls by the wayside and, and, Luke just like, nah, man, he's a family man first. He takes pride in that. That's a big part of how he recruits. And he wants someone that can truly be an extension of his family. And you look at all the relationships that he's built with these kids and, you know, how respectful and honest all of these guys are. And it's just, it's, that's a, that's a big part of what's happening here is just he's recruited a a specific type of kid. um, And all of these kids have, held true to that and have blossomed and stayed the course and bought in. And, and, you know, you don't have a lot of ego guys who are like, why am I not getting my touches? Why are my stats not what they should be? My Jay Sanders could have been like, why aren't you playing me the way that I should be played? And Luke had mm-hmm. to tell him, look, man, you got to buy in. We need you to be in this role for this defense. The NFL will see that they can put you here. You can play this role up there, but here, we need this from you. And Majay's like, I got you. Like Nick Martiner, you know, the Hawaii transfer, put up monster numbers for Hawaii last year. I don't know if he'll do that here. And I told Nick that. I'm not sure if this offense, it could be, but I don't know what his role will be. And he's got a lot of receivers in front of him. And he told me, whatever Luke, what, he said, whatever Coach Fick it asks of me, I'm down. Like whatever it is, I'll do it. And that's that's the that's how all of this has worked out, you know. That's if you want to go elsewhere, cool, you know, you can do that. But if you want to be a part of something special and be a part of something long lasting and something that will withstand the, the the test of time, and you will be remembered for doing something special while also getting good grades and performing well in the classroom and and being a great citizen, um, you can do it here and. Gosh, like, I don't know, like, if there are any recruits listening, I'm like, I'm like, I'm working for Luke Fickle right now, right? But it's just, that's been a big part of it, man. And that's, again, I keep talking about how impressive it has been to watch this 
But every chance I get, and whenever something big happens and I have an opportunity to talk to Luke, I'm just mm-hmm. like, dude, this is crazy. Like, I just need you to understand that this does not happen here. Like, yeah, we had a brief little room with Brian Kelly. And yeah, like, you know, there's been Rick Menner and, and, and D'Antonio and others has had have had success, but this doesn't happen. And you're doing, they're about to create a football-only facility. And like, what? And they're about to do some esports stuff, which is all the money that this football team has generated is creating other avenues for other sports. And it's it's just, it's creating a a machine that, hey, man, it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> like, he's good. He's happy. He likes it here. The Big 12 money is coming. Like, this is this is something that is going to be here for a while. And you just said something. I want you to touch on it because I do want to come back and, and mention some things about the culture Luke Fickle has, uh, you know, has in place right now. But how, how does what's going on with UC football impact all of UC athletics? From a financial standpoint, at every school, maybe other than Duke or Kansas or, you know, maybe I don't even want to say Kentucky. Obviously, Kentucky's a basketball school, but their football team's coming on. But obviously, basketball's king there. But my mm-hmm. point is, is that in a lot of schools, football is king and it's what generates the money. And that hasn't been the case here. Here, the moneymaker has been basketball. And it's been that way for as long as you and I have been alive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's changing. Now, look, Cincinnati is still very much a basketball school, and that's not going to change. But football has something to say about that right now. And, like, it, it's funny, in my role, you know, the Bearcats beat used to be a two-person job. It's no longer a two-person job. It's, it's mine, and, and I balance the two sports. Um, and then anything else that goes on, women's basketball, baseball, whatever, thing else that I can get to, um, just to paint the fans a, ten, a, a picture as far as, how come you don't cover baseball games all the time? Hey, it's just me. <laughs> um, right. But my point is, is that um, this is no longer a basketball beat. Like, this used to be, hey, man, anything that happens on the basketball front, you got to be on it. We may get to a football game here and there, but this is a basketball job. Nah, man, this is – football is huge now, and this is very much – so it's – it's football is, has created – is creating other avenues, other resources for women's basketball, baseball, lacrosse, soccer. You know, all of this money gets goes into not just football – but the athletic departments, which generates other opportunities. And look, you know, when we're talking about the NIL opportunities, you know, maybe maybe companies and, and other opportunities who wouldn't be thinking about University of Cincinnati, hey, they know about University of Cincinnati right now. Why? Well, because Luke Fickle and what he's done yep. and the fact that they were just on the cusp while playoff stage. And wait a minute, Cincinnati's got something brewing over there. Well, that gets other athletes an opportunity to get some eyes on them. It's just like, let's just say, you know, when you're you got a top notch, you're 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 a high schooler and you're playing against a top notch high school team with the number one recruit in the country. Well, you know what I'm gonna do? These recruits in the crowd, they're here to watch him or her, but I'm gonna ball out today and they gonna know who I am 
you know, before they leave this this game. And that's what's happening is is the attention that Luke Fickle and his program have drawn. Um, it's creating other opportunities and avenues for other players at every in every sport, financially, um, you know, in every other other opportunity. And and when you talk to Coach Hurd, you talk to Wes Miller, um, and other coaches, they they all say they're either inspired by what Luke Fickle has done. Um, it's pushed them to be extra motivated to hold up their end. And look, we can't be have a football program that's killing it. And I'm not, you know, Wes Miller feels it. He, he, he has to, he has to get this thing going and going now because Luke Fickle's got it going and that's pressure in a good way. Like he, you want, you want everyone and, and coach, um, Michelle Clark heard the women's coach has said it. It's, you know, when, when game day came here, she was just like, how cool is that? Like, I, I tell my girls, this is what we want to do. This is what we yeah. want to create. So, yeah, man, it's 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 doing a lot, not just for football, but all these other sports are definitely benefiting from this success for sure. And I'll tell you a quick story, and to your point, um, I'm in Louisville a couple weekends ago, and I'm at the EYBL Nike uh, basketball AU tournament. And um, a coach that I know uh, comes over to me and he says, hey, I want you to come over and watch our game. We've got a kid on the team that, you know, the Bearcats are recruiting, a kid named Isaiah Evans, who's a, a five-star. Mm-hmm. And and so the coach says, hey, would you come over here and watch him and I'll introduce you to the kid and, and to the mom. I said, absolutely. So I go over there at about 1230 um, to watch their game. And the kid's warming up, and I didn't want to bother the kid while he was warming up, Isaiah. But the coach comes over to me and says, hey, that's his mom over there. Go go say hello. So I go over and I say, hey, you know, my name is Alex. I play for the Bearcats. And she, like, looks at me. She's like, football? And I'm like, no, I don't. Because <laughs> she thought I was like, I didn't look like a basketball player. But I said, no, I'll play basketball there. She's like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, the Bearcats are recruiting Isaiah. I said, I know. I, you know, I heard. And, and then she goes, can I ask you, like, what are the Bearcat fans like? Hmm. And I was like, well, why do you ask that? She goes, because, you know, Isaiah's being recruited by Tennessee and the Bearcats. She goes, Bearcat fans are all over Twitter. Yeah. They are crazy. And she goes, we love it. And I said, yeah, I said, Bearcat fans love, you know, getting on Twitter and talking to recruits and getting them to come and build that hype up. But I'm, I'm, I'm using that to say this. Her next statement I thought was very powerful. And she goes, well, I'm here to tell you, Isaiah and I can't wait to come to a Bearcat football game. No doubt. Because that's his first – that's going to be a recruiting thing for him, you know, before the basketball season starts, he's going to come to the football game. Yep. Goes, we watched some of those games and – seems like the football games are crazy. And so we start talking about that. She goes, yeah, I know the Tennessee games are crazy, and there's, you know, 100,000 people. But think about that, Keith. But he's being recruited by Tennessee and UC, and she's saying she can't wait to come to a UC football game. I mean, Tennessee football right. obviously is, is big time, but when you look at, you know, the SEC, it obviously doesn't match up to some of the um, upper-tier teams in the SEC, but – they were excited for – so if we – and Isaiah's a five-star. If we end up landing landing Isaiah, football could have had a big impact on that. It's huge, man, and that's the, that's the thing, too. And, and you, you beat me to it because I was thinking about it as you were talking. A lot of these recruits 
when you when do, when do we first see them on campus? A lot of times you in the football, football they're right there on the sideline, right? They're they're yep. watching, they're soaking in the crowd. They gotta they gotta they're in the student section, man. Like and when you talk, I remember the 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 team last year. You talk to guys like Abdullah Du or um, just any of the other guys who were here for their first year. They're like, man, the football games are crazy. So it, yeah. it's almost it's almost more impressive when you look back and you think of what Bob did and building these massively successful teams and, and ultimately a great program during a time where, man, there's like 3,000 people in that damn stadium for a football. <laughs> <laughs> he can't use that as a tool, right? He had to figure out some other stuff. So, yeah, yeah. man, I mean, it's contagious, man, and it's it's – like yeah, you can go to a basketball game and see twelve thousand strong in that in in that in that arena, but there's nothing like going to nip at night. You know, I remember Jerome Ford before he got here. You know, he had said everyone was telling me about that stadium at night and how it was. And after he had his first experience, he had a really good game, and he he came out afterwards and he's like, "Man, that was cool. Like that was that was really cool." And it, it's just mm-hmm. it's it's this is special. Like. Fans, like those of you who are listening, just appreciate what is happening. This is this is truly something special that we're witnessing. And Wes Miller is – I know some fans were down on him after last year. I always tell fans, hey, man, remember what he inherited. Remember where this thing started. But he he has been a great coach. He's got a great staff. And I guess I'm segueing into another point. But – He's he's working it right, like the recruiting trail. It's 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 we can see it bubbling and turning around, um, and there is no doubt that Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle's in that in that program, the football program success has had a direct impact on that, no doubt. Yeah, and and so two things I want to touch on when you talk about Luke Fickle and and you know the kids that he's recruiting, I always think about this. Uh, one of my business mentors is a guy named Bob Kolhep, who used to be the CEO and chairman of the board for the CentOS Corporation. Okay. Um, obviously, the CentOS Corporation is one of the biggest uniform suppliers in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an enormous company. And it started here in Cincinnati, right off of Ridge Road. They have one shop on Ridge Road, and now it's the biggest or one of the top two and in the, in the biggest in the world. And um, you know, Mr. Coep and I uh, became friends. He became my mentor. And I remember sitting in his office at their corporate headquarters in Mason, Ohio. And he told me, and this was early on in, you know, my, kind of my business career. He said, I want you to take a class and I'm going to pay for it. And they have a class at the CentOS uh, corporate headquarters called Meticulous Hiring. Okay. And he goes, I want you to take this course. And then there's a book you get as part of the course, and it details out meticulous hiring. So I'm like, man, what is this? I don't, more school? Oh, man. So I go and take this course, Keith, and what I learned when I walked away from there is once you have an idea of what you want your culture to be, business, basketball program, whatever it might be, you have to look at not only who you hire, and, but who, who's working for you, and do they fit that culture? And when I think about Coach Fickle, what he's doing, not only with his staff, but with the players he's recruiting, it is meticulous hiring. 
Yes. Looking. Yes. And you know what I learned? In that class, in that meticulous hiring class, I mean, there was like, okay, this guy might be talented in the business world, but does he also check these other boxes? Because if mm-hmm. he doesn't, that doesn't fit your culture, and you're going to bump heads. And that's what Coach Fickle's doing. And, and, and the the other point I want to make, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, and I know you will totally agree with this, but and I, I'm going to try to lay this out as, as smooth as I can. Coach Fickle deserves all the credit for creating the culture that he's put in place. However, I do believe he gets too much credit for the recruiting and not enough uh, credit goes to his assistant coaches. Yeah, and no doubt. They deserve, they deserve more. And I was telling a guy, Chris, just the other day, I was saying, you know, in the, in the landscape of, of college athletics, here's what happens. Your assistant coaches basically are pitching eight innings. Luke Fickle comes in and he closes the game in the ninth. Nice. That's yep. what happens. Am I right? Do you agree with no, that? No doubt about it. You're no doubt about it. And like the funny thing too is when you look at the top classes, the top twenty twenty three recruiting classes right now, I think the last time I checked, Cincinnati was ranked sixth in the country, right? They got the sixth best ranked twenty twenty three recruiting class. Number one, guess who that is? Notre Dame. And you know who the head coach is in Notre Dame? Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman. And look, Marcus Freeman deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what is happening here. And I hope fans don't take that the wrong way, but I don't think anyone would disagree. Like what he was able to do to help Luke jumpstart this thing, Marcus is that personality that can get into a living room and that can, you know, I sell water to a well. Like we can get into that, but like, you know, that's who he is, man. And he's also just, he's not, He's not phony or like some coaches will, will you almost feel slimy after talking to him because you just like, do you believe that? And, and, and Marcus is a genuine person. He's not going to say you're going to start here and become an All-American or be All-Conference. Look, you're going to fill a role. And if the best players will play and blah, 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 blah. But it was Marcus who had a big impact in getting this thing going. Um, and what Luke has done, okay, Marcus has left. All right. Luke does a great job of when he loses assistance, mm-hmm. he figures out, okay, these are my strengths as a head coach. These are my weaknesses. I need to find assistants who are strong where I'm weak. That's Luke's biggest strength as a builder, as he's building his staff, is owning what he doesn't do well and finding the right guys who can do the things where he struggles. A lot of coaches have these huge egos and they don't want to admit, oh man, I'm not really good at this. Like, I'm no, nah, I'm great. I do everything great. I'm great. Nah, Luke had an experience at Ohio State when he was the interim head coach that was not good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that helped him learn, okay, I can coach really well, but being a CEO of a company, a CEO of a program is different. And I can't – I have to find the right staffs and the right CFO and the right business manager and the right accountant and the right – all of the secretary and all of the – like I have to find the right people who can complement me and complement our mission. And that's what he's done, man. So he's found, you know, it just – there's no 
everything just keeps rolling after season after season after season as these assistants move on to other opportunities because he hires like-minded <clears throat> individuals who can yep. do what he can't. And it's just, it's great, man. And like you said, it's meticulous. It's very, very meticulous. meticulous. hiring. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to ask you the question you got asked uh, yesterday. Who's going to be the starting uh, quarterback uh, for the Bearcats? <laughs> Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, I mean, who's going to start game one? It's 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 hard to say. I mean, I'm guessing. Um, I'm guessing. I'm completely guessing. Heading into the fall, Evans got the edge only because, and again, this is my this is my opinion, only because I think he outplayed Ben um, in the spring game. So, but look, Ben is a senior. Ben started last season. Ben's got experience. Um, and, 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 again, I don't even – like, a lot of fans are saying, man, if Evan doesn't start, it's going to really hurt the program. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a four-star guy, a Mr. Football guy. If he's not the starter, he's going to enter that transfer portal and all these other high-rated recruits are going to leave with him. First of all, has Luke Fickle not shown you that he knows exactly what he's doing? Right. Has he not shown you that he has the trust of his players? Like, has he not, you know, has he not proven enough that whatever decision he ends up making is probably going to be the right one? When you wanted Ben Bryant to supplant Desmond Ritter as the starter, and Luke said, nah, number nine special. Just we're going to ride with him, and he's going to show you all that he's got something. Well, he was right. So, look, you know, it's close, and it's very much still a battle and I, I wouldn't be shocked. When's the season over? September 3rd, I think, at Arkansas. He may not announce it until that day before or whenever that available. Hell, he may, we may not know who the starter is until the ball's kicked off and they tried out for that first series. I mean, who knows? I mean, it may go down to that, that close because the two quarterbacks are very, very different. Um, very. Ben is the better thrower, um, but Evan is the better athlete. And Ben's not a bad athlete by no means. Um, but they both have a lot of work to do to 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 be um, prepared for what's ahead. Um, when you're when you're replacing, you know, I don't know, arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of the program. You know, the only other guy who can claim that is Geno. And look, guess who also is going to make that decision on who the starter is? Geno. So. Mm-hmm. Trust these guys, man. Like Ben yeah. and Ben are are close, and they're competing. It's a friendly competition. They're pushing each other. Um, higher ground in August will be very interesting as they get their full complement of offensive linemen back. The full weapons are in camp, and we really get to see what this offense will look like. Um, Corey Kiner will be there. You know, this will be. We'll really get this. Someone's going to take the job. One of those guys are going to, is going to earn it, and I think fans just need to trust whatever the, the decision is that it's going to be the right one. And I, I think honestly, and I, it's, I know you want a solid answer. It's just hard to give you that right now. But yeah. um, both of these guys, I think, will have earned it and will be will be have will be have deserving of the job. And um, both guys, I think, are are fully capable, especially with the pieces that will be around them, um, to keep this thing going. So. It'll be a fun camp, man. It'll be a fun camp. Now, Bearcats losing so many key pieces. Uh, what's your prediction on this coming season? Yeah, I mean, you know, 
the the schedule shakes out for them. I mean, they don't have, you know, the look. Arkansas is not great. It'll be tough to go into Arkansas and SEC crowd and and fan base and environment and and grab a win out of there. Um, you don't want to underestimate anybody, but it's not like Arkansas got it rolling either down there. Um, but you know, I I fully expect them to go into Arkansas. And again, on a on a on a big stage, a nationally televised opportunity against a Power Five opponent, to show that hey, we're not just this little program over here in Southwest Ohio. Like we got some things rolling. Um, so when you look at the schedule, it just it shakes out in their favor. Now, there's always there's always you know you want them to stay healthy, and um, there's always surprises. You you didn't expect such and such team to play that well against you at home, or someone comes in the nippered and like when Tulsa came in last year and almost beat them, you're like, whoa, what? Um, but it, it's just mm-hmm. – and then the different part now with Cincinnati is they're every team's Super Bowl, right? Like yeah. Cincinnati comes into town or you go into Nipper Stadium, we got an opportunity to shock the world because of all of this attention that's around the Bearcats. But I think with the the, the interesting part with this team is – you're losing Desmond Ritter, Kobe Bryant, Darian Beavers, um, you know, Brian Cook, just these leaders, vocal leaders, leaders by example, um, who were able to weather the storm and keep guys even keel. Now, they still have leaders, no doubt about it, but that's the challenge of Luke is making sure that, hey, I need my leaders to be leaders so that when things aren't going quite well, are not going as expected like things did at Navy last year or like things did at Tulane last year, that we stay the course, you know, not get too low or too high for that matter, and we just keep things rocking. And you guys, you got guys like Arquan Bush who will play that role, and even guys like Evan Prater and Ben Bryant, whoever starts, both of those guys will be leaders. Um, but when you lose so many leaders, you want to make sure that that next batch um, Jabari Taylor, you know, Will Huber, Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, these guys are are like can re- assume those roles. But yeah, I mean, I you know, there's I, I, they're going to have another great season. They're going to have another double digit win season. Um are we going to the college football playoff again? Uh, I don't I wouldn't say that, but it's going to be another impressive um campaign for the Bearcats cuz they're still loaded with talent. They have great depth. Um, Luke Fickle is still at the helm. The guys that are coming back, Arquan, Josh, Jabari, Renfro, um, I mean, just I can go on and on and on. These guys are legit NFL talent, NFL caliber guys. Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott, these guys hear the talk, oh, Cincinnati's about to fall off. They just lost 30 seniors and, and yeah. 12 NFL yep. guys. No, nah, they want to go out and show everybody that this train is not slowing down. And so I anticipate another great, successful, um, heavily competitive um, showing by them. And, you know, they won't start the season probably in the top ten like they did last year. But, again, I think they're going to show, hey, this wasn't just a a, a one-hit wonder. You know, we're – we're now a program to be reckoned with, and they're going to show that again this year. And I'm going to use that to uh, segue into some basketball here in a second. But I, I, your last point I think is important. 
Um, we've had success in the past watching UC football, you know, the Brian Kelly, the Don Antonio. The, we, we've seen we've seen success, but this feels different because this feels like it's going to be long term, right? I, I, you know, I think you felt with Brian Kelly like, oh, how long will he be here? He could be gone, then we've got to start over. And I think more and more people are seeing that Fickle, he has two feet down in this community. He's got two feet down at this university, and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. And so I think a lot of fans, regardless of how the Bearcats do this season, I think people are buying into the process because they know this isn't a one-time deal. We're, yeah. we're going to be there. And then going into the Big 12, whoo. You know, mm -hmm. watch out. You talk about recruiting getting even better. Um, you know, I totally could see that going into the Big 12. And I want to segue that into some uh, Bearcat basketball talk, which is surprising, Keith. We haven't talked any hoops yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> and this is the Bearcat basketball We're a football school now. This is a football school. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, basketball, um, they, they started workouts. And, um, you know, I, I just – you said something earlier about – Shooting around with Wes Miller and he and he beat you uh, in in a, in a shooting contest. He he challenged me to one on one the other day. Oh uh, yeah, and who? Yeah, I'm like, nah, man, I'm not I'm not playing you. Um, You're not gonna do it. Do it, huh? Do it, like I, put some cameras up. Put the put, you know have some charities <laughs> involved. Let's go. See see see. Here's the difference though. So you know having a AU basketball program and having 30 teams, over 300 and some kids, if Coach Miller beats me on video, I am getting roasted every day <laughs> by, by kids on Instagram, Snapchat, because they trust me. They love to roast me if they if they get an opportunity. But, no, but we see, so Wes, Wes, is, Wes, like, not to cut you off, but, like, Wes, he, he plays coy, but – and you got a nice jumper, too, but that man – once he sees one go in, oh, it's over. Like, and that's you know every shooter is like that. But once you see one go in, and that's what Wes is. Wes would be like, man, I don't even got it today. Like, I can't even shoot today. And then he'll he'll make one three, and that's it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen him shoot, and uh, Dermar Johnson Slim has has told me, and you know Dermar still plays a lot. Yeah. Like, hey man, hey man, Wes Wes can shoot, man. That's that's actually how. Uh, Slim talk. He's man, man. Hey, man. He can, he can, he can shoot me. Yeah. He can shoot. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I was with Wes at the um, uh, the fatherhood, the Talbert House fatherhood event, and I want to give Wes a big shout out for uh, coming over as my guest to attend that event. We raised three hundred fifty thousand dollars for down and out fathers to get rehabilitated and back with their families and being oh, fathers. Wow. And yes, yeah, we talk about Des and. You talk about your father, and this is an incredible program where, you know, guys that either go to jail, uh, substance abuse, just down and out, um, this program rehabilitates these guys and gets them back connected out of the court system. It's a, it's one of the most powerful programs in the world when it comes yeah. to fatherhood, the world. We raised 350000 the other night, and Wes came over as my guest, and he uh, – Shook hands with uh, a lot of Bearcat fans, and a lot of people were saying to him, hey, how are you going to be this year? And Wes is a guy, as you know, and you've had many conversations with him, um, 
I think he's gonna he's gonna get you excited. So he's gonna tell you the things to get you excited, but he's also gonna tell you the truth. He's yeah. not gonna give you some some BS. And he looked at one of the fans and he goes, and he was coming. So everyone's in suit and ties, right? And he comes in in shorts and a t-shirt. He's coming <laughs> from workouts, right? Yeah. And he looks this fan in the eye and he goes, "Man, we are going to be better." And he just said it in a way that, like, we all felt it. Like, we felt it. Like, he was not – he was fresh off of doing workouts, and we really, really felt it. Now, I want to segue that into – you just did an article um, on Wes. And um, Mm -hmm. if you could talk about that article a little bit and your your, your thoughts on where the program's headed. Yeah, so – you know, I, I took a little vacation for a couple of weeks, and shout out to West too, because I went to Asheville, North Carolina, for a little bit, which is a great town, by the way. And um, he had some recommendations. You know, he's from North Carolina, so he had, man, you got to hit this spot. It's the best restaurant in North Carolina. Um, so he had some really good recommendations for me. Just like I, I gave there. you the pizza. Just like I yeah, gave you the pizza recommendation yep, yep. for Louisville. Yep. yep. And then, damn it, I went to Louisville, and it wasn't it wasn't open. I think they opened at like 5 p.m., yeah, and I had to get yep. to Dez's party. And then uh, I think the next day I didn't be, I wasn't able to. So anyway, I, I'm next time I'm in Louisville, I'm definitely going. But I tried. I tried. Um, Spinelli's pizza yeah, is amazing. Yeah, shout out to Spinelli's. Um, sure. And it looks great. It's in a good location. Like it, it just. It, I was excited, and then the doors wouldn't open. I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> Um, yeah, they got that late crowd there, so. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Uh, but no, nah, so before I left for vacation, man, I I, uh, I chopped it up with Wes, and you know he is excited. He is. Last season was tough, and I I know listeners. I don't need to, you know, we don't need to get into. It. We know it was a tough year, um, but he had to figure out a lot of things on the fly, and you know after, you know the season that. The last, the previous season, I think in some ways he may have overcorrected some things as far as he really wanted to be a fun, nice, positive guy, which is what he is, no doubt about it. But he really wanted to make sure that was a part of the program because that wasn't what the program was when he inherited it, right? Like, you had six guys in the portal and a lot of influx and, and a lot of things were uncertain. And so um, talking to him, you know, we spoke a lot off the record and then finally we went on the record. And one thing I think fans need to understand, he's going to keep it 100 with you. Like he is, mm-hmm. what I love about Wes is like some coaches, you talk to them off the record and they'll tell you all the great stuff. And then the minute you turn the cameras on or the recorder on and they just dumb everything down. And I'm like, why can't you tell me this stuff when I'm, <laughs> you know, and know. Uh, that's not yep. Wes, you know, he may, he may curse a little less when the, when the camera's on and, but mm-hmm. he's, he's, he'll keep it 100 with you. And, you know, I asked him about Mike Saunders Jr. And, and what happened there. And it's in the article. He talked about, you know, kind of what Mike wanted and, but what his thoughts were. And he was honest with him. He, he, he you know, Mike wants, starter minutes and those just weren't going to be here um it it wasn't like mike or or it wasn't like mike loved to be at cincinnati he wanted to be here and wes loved mike and wanted him here it's just you know mike wanted something more and when you're starting to see where this program is trending um the level of recruits that are coming in the level of interest that is starting to happen 
Um, look, this team is going to be better. I don't care if you're the best coach in the country. You need players. You know, you, mm-hmm. you mean, you, in, in no disrespect to the guys who were on the, on the roster last year, but, you know, the talent is going to be better this season. Um, so he should expect a better result because the mere talent is going to be better. Um, yep. And I think Wes needed to learn some things and to, okay, this, these are where my shortcomings were last year. You know, UNCG was great. Cincinnati's a different beast. I figured that out. I got it under my belt. Now I got it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this thing out. But he's got better players, more defined roles. And I think, and I talked about it in the story, David DeJulius won't have to do everything this upcoming season. Yeah. He had yeah. to do everything. It's a great point. A everything. Great point. There, I mean, and then what ended up happening later on is every team figured out, well, David DeJulius has to do everything for them. If we can somehow take David DeJulius out or make it more difficult for him, we can beat Cincinnati. And that's exactly what started to happen. You you didn't have any other anybody else who can who could create. And um that won't be an issue <laughs> this coming season. He's got yeah. creators. Yeah. Um and that's going to take a lot of pressure off of David DeJulius. Now a guy that has to take a leap is Jeremiah Davenport. And we talked about that, Wes and I in the story. And the funny thing is, is when they after they lost to Houston in the AAC tournament in Fort Worth, Kelvin Sampson sat down at the podium and he said, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote, but he said, we knew Jeremiah Davenport wasn't going to be able to create his own shot. And I'm like, whoa, mm. that, okay. And so I remember looking over at Justin Williams at, for the Athletic and I said, if I'm Wes Miller, I'm playing that clip for Jeremiah all yep. summer. All yep. summer, and I am locking his behind in the gym, and I'm going to make sure that left hand is strong, and I'm going to make sure he can take guys off the dribble, and I'm going to make sure that his whole game isn't that damn three-point shot. I love mm-hmm. Jeremiah. He's a great kid and a great player, but when you only truth got the truth. when you only got one trick in your bag, they're going to figure out yep. how to stop that one trick. And if that one trick ain't falling, and they can figure out, hey, if 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 we can get Jeremiah off his spot early, he may disengage, you know, like and that's what was happening in some games, right? And again, this is no disrespect to J D, I love him. But I told I told West exactly that. Hey, did you did you hear that that Kelvin um said this? <laughs> and he said, Oh, I know. I said, Did did you did you share that with Jeremiah? Oh, he knows. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, you know, he's got yeah. He's got good players coming in, right? He's got – Landers is going to be a star here, okay? He had great moments at Memphis. Memphis got crowded. You get all these five-star recruits there that Penny is bringing in. There's just only one basketball. And Landers yep. kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit, and his role had to change there. Well, guess what? At Cincinnati, he can take on that more prominent role – and there's just there's going to be a lot more playmaking, a lot more creating, a lot more fluidity with the offense. And then he's got length defensively at at the perimeter on the wing. Um, and then you got, and I love Abdul and I love Hayden. You know, but we needed more offensive production inside, man. We just you can't you can't get 
four points a game from your four and five spots. You know, you can't – I mean, look, those, those guys were great defensively, but then we need you to go on the other end and just – the other end and just – we just need hell. I mean, if we could have got eight points and ten rebounds collectively from those positions, just think of how different that season would have been. You add eight yeah. points to those to those final scores. So what he's able what he was able to do is get a guy in the old Dominion transfer that I can't remember his name right now. Sorry, fans. But he's a guy who can put the ball in the basket. He's a very good defender, but also he's a hell of a rebounder. And that's what Luke Fickle ta- or excuse me, that's what Wes Miller talked about a lot last season is we just don't have the that NBA quality rebounder that can mm-hmm. create extra possessions for us. We just don't have that you're talk, guy. You're talking about Kalu. Yeah, Kalu. Yep, yep, Kalu. yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having him changes things, one, because he can put the ball in the basket. And, look, he's not going to be Kenyon Martin, right? He's not going to be Jason Maxiel, But he's going to be a guy like an undersized Eric Hicks type that's yep. going to just give you quality minutes, give you – Great comparison. I mean, he, he may give you, let's just say, 10 and 8. Right, like, oh my gosh, how big <laughs> would how big would ten and eight be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Especially, especially when if you really look at it, if you go back to the UNCG days and what Wes Miller did, a lot of things offensively were predicated off of throwing the ball to the post first and foremost. Yeah, he would start his offense off of throwing it to the post. Not that everything was post. You know, everything had to be a post move and it go score. But when you throw it to the post, yep. you know, and you got a guy that legitimately can turn right or left shoulder or just attempt yep. to score, you get double downs, which leaves shooters open. You get guys that cut off of that. You know, so many things come out of that. And now yep. it looks like, and we'll, we'll we'll see coming up soon when the game start, but it looks like you got guys you can throw it to in the post. He said that exact same thing. He's like, at, at, at Greensboro, we played inside out. Offensively, yep. that was our game, and you, we couldn't do that. I mean, it was, hey, David, can you just figure something out, and then we'll figure it out from there. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we all like watch it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not being mean. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not, you know, throwing any shade. Like, we watched the games, you know, and it, he had yeah. a lot of David had a lot of pressure on him to score the ball, create for other guys, and look. You know, Luke, or gosh, we talk so much football, I keep saying Luke. Wes, <laughs> Wes was very honest with me about he had some conversations with Shuey. Like, one, your minutes may not be the same this coming season. If you're cool with that, cool. If you're not, you might want to go elsewhere. Shuey was like, no, I get that. I want to continue to build something here. He was like, cool. They're on the same page. And then, you know, Wes is like, we're going to need you to knock down that shot. You know, you had good looks last year. You did, didn't fall. We're going to need you to be more of a playmaker when you're in that game. You know, we're going to need you to create for other guys. You know, Shuey is going to take on that challenge. We'll see how he responds. Jeremiah, you know, Wes has challenged him. You know, Jeremiah was second team all-conference heading into to last season. Um, he had his up and downs, and he had great moments. But he wasn't that consistent player that we envisioned him to be. You know, no he's question. going to have to take that leap. And Wes has, yeah. Wes has challenged him to do that. And so, I, look, and we got guys who can straight up fill it. We got, we, you know, Skillings and, and Reed. And, I mean, they, these, these young kids, they can go. Um, and then we got some great transfers. So it's going to be better, like Wes said. It is going to be better. 
are we going to be a tournament team? Who knows, right? But I think Wes is thinking just like Luke Fickle is thinking, I'm not only preparing for Houston and Memphis, I'm preparing for Baylor. I'm preparing for Iowa State. I'm preparing for Kansas. I'm preparing for the Big 12. And that's how these guys are recruiting. That's how these guys are preparing. They want these guys prepared for a higher level of competition that is right around the corner. Um, It's big picture time, guys. Yeah, we want to win today. We want to win tomorrow, too. We want to win next year, too. And so fans should be excited. And it's not false hope. You wanted to see things change. You wanted to see an improvement. And, yes, it's early, and they just got on campus, but you're seeing the recruiting change. You're seeing some momentum. You're seeing Rayvon. Yeah. You're seeing other guys. Wait, he's got UC in his top five? What? So it's right. happening. Just be patient. And I know it doesn't exist with fans. I get it. I understand. But it's happening. Give him time. He's a great coach, a great recruiter. Chad Dollar, Andre Morgan, you know, Chris. You know, Roberts, he's got a good group of staff that knows exactly what they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time. They know what you guys want. They know the history and the legacy of this program, and they want to uphold it. Give them some time. They're going to do it. And I'm glad you just said that because, you know, if you think about UC basketball and you think of what made UC basketball so important, with the, specifically with the hugs days of, you know, just being tough, pressure, and, and you know, through the years, hugs the teams through it to the post, Kenyon, Maxio, Danny Fortson. But also what I'm most excited about for this coming year and also the future is Wes really wants to get out there and pressure the basketball full court. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't really get to see that last year because – no offense to some of the guys on the team, they just couldn't guard full court. You yeah. know, J- Jeremiah is slow afoot defensively. Uh, Mason Madsen is slow afoot defensively in, in a full court situation. Uh, Mikey sometimes gambled. So, you know, it was tough for them to pressure full court. So think about Wes Miller is basically coaching a totally different game than what yeah. he's used to. Yep. Like, that's the real – it's like he coached totally – like you said, hey, David, Julie, just go do some stuff and we'll figure it out. And then right. you can't really press because of these guys. So I'm most excited about the pressure, you know, that we're going to see. And, and by the way, too, I want to say this real quick before I forget. Um, and I'm sure you've heard, or I don't know if you know all the details, but um, Odie's father passed away. Mm, I did not know that. Yeah, Odie's father passed away, and I think a bunch of the guys and the coaching staff went down to the funeral in North Carolina. Yeah, I think Odie's dad took him back to Nigeria to visit kind of, you know, the roots, and his dad was uh, slowly dying um, Mm. of cancer, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if it was – I think it happened a little sooner than they thought, but, uh, you know, sad sad to see. But the, 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 the great thing for Odie is, man, um, he's got a great support system there with the Bearcats and, and yeah. the staff, so he's he's in, he's in good hands. Um, uh, so so the other thing I want I want to talk about, you, and you mentioned this before, from, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, um, 
you know, Wes has brought in all these all these new guys. But as you talk about that forecasting for the Big 12 and the recruiting for that, one of the big pickups that I, I want to take a deep dive into, landing Rayvon Griffith, I think, reminds me of landing Yancey Gates. Hmm. Here's why. Yancey Gates was one of the top players, obviously, in our area, one of the top players in the country. The similarity to me is Yancey was – he helped lead to getting other players as well. Yeah. As good of a player as, as Yancey was is, he helped get other guys to come here. Rayvon's the same way. Like, we've got a great player in Rayvon, but Rayvon is closely tied to Isaiah Collier. Yeah. He's closely tied to Tyler McKinley. And I could go on – and those are all guys that they're trying to land – so you land, it's, it's chess, right? You land one piece to help you, you know what I mean? You make one move to, to get another move. So um, the, the, the impact of Rayvon, I think, is, is way bigger than I think. I mean, people are giving him a lot of hype for, for landing Rayvon, but I think he's, a, he's an important piece moving forward in the recruiting for, for Wes. He's a domino, you know? Yeah. He, he's just, we just got to get that one. We just got to get that one. Like you said, you get that one. Okay, we got them. Now the others will fall, you know, but it, you just yeah. got to get that one. And it's important. Look, like um, Wes can't talk about him because he's not allowed yet until he's officially, you know, signed and sealed and delivered. Um, yeah. But, you know, if, if you get Wes in a room and there's no cameras on, you know, and everything is, you know, we can just talk privately. Rayvon was the priority when he got here. Mm-hmm. That was the priority. He's a hometown kid. He's a hooper. He's a baller. We need to prioritize the hoopers and the ballers who are right here first. Like, yeah, we needed to try to figure out how to get Tari Eason, and we had to get – you know, Mikey out of the portal and, and get Mason out of the portal and, and da 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 and try to figure out how to fill out the rest of this roster because I think he had freaking four guys on the roster or whatever it was when he got here. But Rayvon was number – like, that was the priority. And, I mean, no he, he got here and knew it, and he got him. And now he has to – he will. But that, that – like, and it, it's like what Luke does. Like, you get one, and all these guys, you know – are on the same, whether they're the AAU team with basketball, they're on the same travel teams and summer camps and 707 teams and football. Like, you get one of these guys, oh, I'm going to bring my boy with me. Oh, I'm coming. I'm going to bring him. I'm going to get him too. We all coming. And that's what's going to happen with Cincinnati. It's happened with Cincinnati football. It's going to happen with Cincinnati basketball. Rayvon is a guy, Is we we can talk about his, his high basketball IQ and just his skill on the basketball court all day long. But when you see a guy of his caliber buy in, like, wait, like, because he could say, like, nah, Cincinnati ain't it. Like, and that's, that's my hometown. I got family. But Cincinnati ain't it. So I'm going to go ahead and take my behind to Kansas or wherever. But when he says, nah, man, I believe in West Miller. I believe that this is where I need to be. I believe that we can do something special here right in my hometown. That says a lot, man. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's like I said earlier, man, it is a domino effect, and he is only going to create more and more, you know, it's like, it's like he's, his, he's Wes's lead blocker now on the recruiting trail. 
Like, yeah. all right, I got you, Wes. I done, I done cleared this path. Go ahead and get the first down. And there it is, you know. So, yeah, man. Hey, and I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, do you know, the first time that uh, Rayvon was on campus with the staff was the UC football oh, game. Football, yep, yep. It's huge, man. It's huge, bro. It's huge, yeah. man. No questions. No it's questions. exciting, man. It's, it's happening. Luke's got it. Wes understands, and, and the funny thing too, and I told somebody this last night, I said, one of the best things that happened to Cincinnati is North Carolina basketball and what they just did with Hubert Davis. Yeah, yeah. If, if Hubert Davis hadn't figured it out, they were going to come and get Wes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They were like, yeah, yeah, Hubert, I don't think this worked out, bro. We're going to go ahead and get number two because Wes was their number two. Hubert got that job, but Wes was the, was the second man for that job. And I don't think Hubert's going anywhere. So no. Wes knows that. So Wes is like, all right, I'm two feet in. Let's get it. Let's get it. This is where I'm at. It's time to go. And you see it. You see exactly what's happening. Wes is dug in. He's committed. And he's ready to get this thing going. It's funny. When I, we were at that Talbert House event I was telling you about, I was talking with Wes, and um, he said, hey, why don't you come on over to some of the uh, some of the team workouts we have going on? I said, yeah, yeah, I got to get over there. I, I'm in the middle of AU, and then I got to go on a uh, vacation mm-hmm. at some point. And he's like, vacation? What's that? Like, you know, because college <laughs> yeah. athletics 24-7. And he goes, he's canceled three trips. And I was like, you canceled three, like, you know, vacation yep. trips. Yep. And he says, well, it's not like what you think it is. He's like, it's not because I'm, you know, so busy. He was like, well, I had all these trips planned in North Carolina to go back. Mm-hmm. He's like, I canceled them. And I'm like, why? He goes, well, I'm in Cincinnati now. Mm-hmm. He's like, if I keep going back to North Carolina, he's like, I, I got I to gotta be in Cincinnati. Like, I can go take a trip somewhere, but uh, I'm a Cincinnati guy now. I live mm-hmm. here. And I thought that was like, and he's now he's saying this to me, like he's not saying this to a random fan or just somebody. I mean, he's this is like real talk, like he's saying to me. He's like, okay, I canceled all all three of the trips. I was like, wow. Yeah. So that's yep. that's that's pretty that's pretty telling right there. Um, and one one question real quick before I, I do want to jump into the hugs event that you went to last night. Talk a little bit about that. But um, I, I think one thing that we're going to have to have a totally, totally separate podcast on at some point, and that is the impact of NIL on UC athletics, football, and basketball, and how UC has to have a plan in place um, moving forward. I'm sure they're working on this, but uh, for Fickle and West to continue this high-level recruiting because the NIL stuff is real, and I'll give you a quick story. Um, you know, when when I'm playing for UC and we've got all these recruits coming in, for a lot of these recruits it was like, oh, you know, you guys are Jordan, I'm getting plenty of shoes, you guys are redoing the locker room, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it was like about all this other stuff, right? And, and yeah. you start seeing a trend happening of, you know, building a new weight room, uh, a, a super locker room with video game rooms and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. And really, if you start to look at it moving forward, if I'm a head coach, I start looking at things like, do we really need to spend money on some of those other things when 
these players really just want NIL deals more than they do a sexy locker room. And that's real. Yeah. That's something that they have to start looking at moving forward of what's going to be – of course, you want to make upgrades with different things, and you want your program to be up to par because you're in the Big 12, but you have to take a hard look at the NIL and the plan going forward. Yeah, it's – um, man, it's crazy. And I love that, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's funny because it's like I, it's, there's so much I want to say, you know. Um, Look, yeah. I love I love that 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 these student athletes are able to make some money off of their name, image, and likeness. I think it's it's it was overdue, and I'm glad that that's it's finally yeah. a thing. Um, there's some dangerous things that are happening right now, and I don't really want to get into it. Just you know, we don't have to, but just in the, like I mean, you you heard you heard um, Back you heard Ohio with... State's coach say the other day he needed 13 million to keep this thing afloat. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. Just, it's just you know you do the math and you're like, well, that breaks down to X amount of dollars per starter, and you know you see what other programs are doing who typically wouldn't be at the top of some of these rankings, and but they have deep pockets, and now the NCAA, the NCAA, there's they're 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 a joke, and I'm like I'm not even trying to, <laughs> I mean they are, I mean they're no they're question. a joke, but. They're trying to figure out how to keep boosters from getting involved with this stuff and keeping this from becoming a really dirty thing. Look, man, the floodgates are open. Y'all should have been ahead of this thing a long time ago. But look, um, Wes and I have had some conversations about it, and I won't share some of those. But but look, look, he's ahead of it. Luke, John Cunningham, Wes Miller, even Michelle Clark Hurd and others, you know, they're literally devising plans as you and I talk you know, UC football has a – his job is to go out there and get on a NIL deals. I won't speak specifically who he is yet because they haven't released that, but it will. It's not a secret. It's just once they figure out how they want to bring it out, they will. But they have a guy who Luke brought from Ohio State. His job is to be the director of NIL and to figure out how to get these guys paid, how to create opportunities where these guys can make money off of what they're doing on the field. Um, and that's huge. And that's, yep. I mean, it, it has to be a part of your plan now. Um, you know, as big as the transfer portal is, that's new. Well, that's now a huge priority. It's not just, you know, recruiting high school kids. We got to get in this portal and figure out how to get those guys. Um, but, you know, every school is trying to figure out how to get ahead of this thing, how to capitalize off of it, how to stay, you know, in front of the game and not be behind it and, and can continue to compete. Cincinnati is no different, um, especially as they're entering the Big 12. You know, but there are a lot of resources around this city, a lot of opportunities, a lot of local businesses who are huge supporters of the program, huge fans. Um, you got other entities that are just clamoring to be able to provide opportunities for these young men and young women. Um, and I think that's a big opportunity for Cincinnati. You know, I look at, you know, a, a city like Memphis, and they've got, you know, great opportunities like FedEx and, you know, great built-in opportunities where they can be a player um, in the NIL space just from the resources they have in their own city. You look at a, a school like Texas A&M who's got oil money, in that region and all these other resources that are just built in NIL opportunities. 
And I think Cincinnati is a space too. You look at how we have these great big uh, local companies who are billion dollar, multi-billion dollar, you know, organizations who can create opportunities for these young men and young women. And I think that's going to play to pay big dividends um, for Cincinnati this year, next year, two years from now, and in the future of just being a player in this space where, look, some schools, they won't be able to be able to play with these big boys and say, eh, we just don't, we don't have, we can't offer you that. We can't offer you that opportunity. Cincinnati has opportunities here that can really, you know, create some room there. And it's exciting, man. Like, I'm excited for these opportunities. I, I talked to David DeJulius about some NIL opportunities that he's got going on. Um, one of the reasons why he decided to stay another year is being able to capitalize on this and, yep. and being able to, you know, make some money and send some money back home to his folks. And, and I mean, I, and I think that's what it's about. Like, I think it, I think it needs to – we don't want it to turn into a pay-for-play thing, and I think that's where we're – that's the dangerous part of it. But look, I know I know that it's important, and let's just talk about Luke Fickle and Wes Miller specifically, because there are two high-profile programs. They both have morals and ethics and beliefs in, in certain lines that they don't want to cross, and they haven't done it yet. They've gotten these five-star commit, four-star commitments for Luke Fickle and high three-star. We got you know really high-level commitments and, and interest from Wes Miller and transfers who have come in. And both of these guys have not crossed lines that they have drawn for themselves. And I like that. I think that's important. And I think if I'm a parent, if I am a father of a 17-year-old four or five-star caliber player, and I see that my head coach has these morals and ethics and beliefs, and can still put my son in a position or a young lady for Michelle Clark Hurd and others in a position to succeed and, and reach his goals, not only professionally as an athlete, but professionally in the real world and work world beyond athletics. That's what it's about. And we're off to a good start seeing Luke Fickle and Wes um, navigate this NIL space. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and John Cunningham in Cincinnati are really working hard to stay ahead of this thing and to create great opportunities for these student athletes. And you love to see it. And I, and, and here's what I want to do um, I, in the future here. I want to get a round table, me, you, and maybe get uh, another guy, uh, maybe even a former player and sit down and talk about this NIL and the portal and, and how it's impacting moving forward. Cause I know, I know you got a lot more that you want to talk about in regards yeah. to the NIL and the portal. So, um, I, I, and I think it's a fascinating discussion right now. It is, for sure. I mean, people think the portal's going to go away. And I'm like, it ain't going nowhere. And, nah. You know, it ain't going anywhere. So, uh, hey, the last three things, and we kind of make these quick topics here, but uh, I want to talk about the Hugs event you went to. I want to jump into a quick music topic and a shoe thing. So the Hugs okay. event uh, last night, how was it? Great, man. Uh, for those who don't know, Hugs lost his mom to cancer um, when he was the head coach here. And every year in, in, in West Virginia, he does this big fish fry where he raises millions of dollars for cancer research and cancer treatment. And they're going to build um, this big cancer center at West Virginia, and they're going to have the Norma May uh, Huggins 
uh, wing at this um, hospital in obviously remembrance of his mother and, and, and the work that Bob has done. But that has been um, his passion outside of basketball is just generating funding um, for this disease that is, mm-hmm. you know, that has impacted all of us, right? I mean, we've all in some way or another have, um, you know, been impacted by cancer. So uh, for the second year in a row, he came to Cincinnati and, and had an event at Montgomery Inn, the original one out in Montgomery. And, um, you know, just to raise money and awareness for, for cancer research and the whole mission that he's got going on. And it was fun. It was a lot of the uh, the big movers and shakers of the city there in that room and um, just an opportunity for fellowship and, and ultimately just to, to raise some money. But, of course, Bob had some jokes and um, he was a little more – he was on one last year. Like he was – it was the first time he was back in Cincinnati for this particular event. Um, a lot of former players were in the room. And it was it was honestly it was a little more subdued last night than it was a year ago, maybe because last year was the inaugural in Cincinnati mm-hmm. event. Um so Bob had some 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 interesting jokes last year. Uh last night was a little more tame. He was still classic Bob in a lot of ways. Um but nah, I man, it was fun to catch up with him. I sat down with him. Um actually when I'm done speaking with you, I'll I'll write this story. But I asked Bob I had a few pressing questions, and, and Bob and I have a great relationship. I've known Bob since I was freaking, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And um, I asked Bob, uh, last time you and I were face-to-face, you were not in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> that that call hadn't come yet. It's come since you and I were able to sit down. I think, how does that feel? And he he was able to express to me how that feels for him, um, you know, how he found out where he was when he got that call, the people who have reached out to him since then, the former players, the the people who will um, induct him into the hall every year, you know, whoever's inducted into the Hall of Fame, you need to have a, a living member of the Hall of Fame uh, induct you. And so uh, Bob told me some, a list of names that he had and, he reached out to that list of people, and all of these people who are current Hall of Famers said, Bob, of course, I got you. So, you know, we'll talk about, you know, those names in my story. Um, what else did I ask Bob about? I asked him, you know, a year ago I asked him, you know, Coach K had just announced that he was retiring. Roy Williams had just announced that he was stepping down. And I said, Bob, you know, hey, you know, you're you're getting up there, man. Like are you are you there as well? And he's like, Don't you put me in that list with those guys. I'm much younger than those guys. And so so this year I said, uh, all right, well we're a year older and you know, I, you know, are you are you any closer to, to, to calling this thing a, a career? And he had a great answer and um I'll I'll put it in the story. But Good. I I think a, a, a thing, I will say that West Virginia did not have a great year last year as far as wins and losses. And that's something that really bothers Bob. Like when he goes out, he's going to go out on top. He ain't going to yeah, go out. No like I'm just, no I'm just, you know, dragging along yeah. and I'm, I'm just waving my hand to the crowd and, you know, playing a position and going through the motions. No, nah, he's going out a winner. That's important for him. I did, I did talk to him about, um, no, he brought it up on his own. And he, when I asked him that question, he said one of the things that still bothers him 
is how things ended at Cincinnati. And we don't have to get into it. We all know the story. But he still wishes he had an opportunity to turn things around. Um, you know, just he didn't want that to be uh, the final, final vision of him, right? And so that's something as far as it relates to when he'll end it. Um, he wants to make sure that he ends things the right way at West Virginia. You know, they're winning. The program's in good shape. So when he leaves and whoever assumes that position after him, the program can continue to just continue to flourish and, and keep going. So he and I talked about that. And then I asked him, he's going to play Xavier this year. Um, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a good game. So I asked Bob about uh, having the opportunity to play Xavier. And we talked about that. And I also asked him about um, assuming you'll still be in the big 12, you know, when Cincinnati finally makes that move, West Virginia and Cincinnati will be on the schedule. Are you looking forward to that? And he had a good response to that one. So, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. I'm I, honestly like, as soon as I get out the phone, which I'll write it and I'll put it out. And I'm just trying to. I don't want to spoil all the beans, man. But like Bob is, he seems to be in a really good space. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's a, he's happy, and obviously when he's back here in Cincinnati, his second home, when he's surrounded by friends and and, and close family, and um, his his wife was there last night. His daughters were there. Oh, good. Yeah, good. and of course his his good friend DJ Dennis Jansen, um, mm-hmm. former WKRC WCPO anchor, he was there to to um, uh, MC the whole thing and navigate the night. So it was a good night, a lot of positive energy, a lot of positive vibes. Bob was in good spirits. He seems to be in good health. Um, you know, it's funny. I joked Wes Miller wasn't there uh, last night, and I joked how involved Wes Miller was that night. Uh, a year ago, and I was like, "Yeah, now West doesn't need that night anymore. He 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 he, he solidified. He's he's, he's yep. but also he's pretty damn busy now. <laughs> he's got yeah. He's got. He, sure. he, it was it was a joke, but it, but um but yeah, it was it was a really um it was more of an intimate crowd um last night. It was still a good showing for sure, but it was good to catch good. up with Bob, and he had a lot of great things to say. So. Um, you know, it's always great to catch. We, we, of course, you know, Cincinnati loves Bob and what he was able to do for this program and um, in the, that athletic department as a whole. So whenever he's able to make it back to the city, I got to pull up. Yeah, no question. It's always great to have Hugs back in town. It's going to be great to have him playing Xavier. And it's going to be odd seeing so many former Bearcat players at the Centos rooting for Hugs wearing blue and gold. Yeah. There'll be a lot. Of, yeah, that's – that's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic there, but then also when he ends up coming uh, back to the Fifth Third Arena in uh, Big 12. So that's going to be fun. But, hey, I want to jump into a little music talk. We we can't do a podcast and and, and just breeze by music. We've got to talk about music. But I, I did a interview with Mamadou Diara recently, and it, it, was, it was one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. But he said something in the interview that just really stuck with me. So I don't know if you know this, but Mamadou dabbles in producing music. Did you know I, this? I did not. So he, he makes beats, you know, like, like there's a lot of people that, that make hip-hop beats. Uh, he's one of them. And he told me during the pandemic that he made a ton of beats and a lot of his teammates came over and made songs. 
So Jeremiah Davenport has a song. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, uh, Jaron Cumberland has a song. I'm not sure if that's a diss song to John Brandon, but <laughs> like a <laughs> like an ether takeover to John Brandon. Um, <laughs> so all these guys have like songs, and I'm like, Mama, do you still have these? He goes, Oh yeah. I'm like, man, I've got to get my hands on these songs. Yeah. I, I, it, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be something I said. I said whatever you do, don't lose those because. Maybe you can't release them now, but years from now, you've, you've got to release those. But um, so that's that's kind of my segue into our uh, into our music talk. And you you called me uh, sometime this year, and we were talking about J Cole. And you know, J Cole is is back again, um, trying out hoops. Um, he's playing. I don't know what team he's playing on or what league it is. Do you know? I'm not even sure. I'm not. I can't remember the team, but Drake's got a league, um, and so he's he's a he's a member of a team that's in Drake. Drake started a basketball league. Drake got so much money, but he's he's got his own league up there in Canada, and um, and and J Cole was is a part of it. So I, I can't remember the team, but yeah, J Cole pulled up and he's a member of of a team in that league. He's 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 a he's a hooper. And, and, and he, he played at he played at St. John's, right? Like I mean, I like it didn't pan out, but like he was a hooper hooper. Like and J Cole's like what six four six five? Like he can hoop. Yeah. Did I ever tell you my J Cole story? Uh, I don't remember. I'm here. So I met I met J Cole. So when the, when NKU opened up the uh, Bank of Kentucky Arena, um, the first event they had in there was Jay Z's Blueprint Three tour. Okay. It was the first thing that opened it up. So I contacted the guy who was running the Bank of Kentucky, who actually knew, and I said, hey, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. Can you get me tickets? And he was like, I'll get you tickets, but he's like, I need one favor in return. He's like, my son is a huge Bearcat fan. Can you get him, like, autographed basketball and some things from the Bearcat basketball team? And I said, done. That's easy. I'll get a pair of shoes from the player signed. He was like, oh, really? So I got him all this stuff signed. So come time for the Jay-Z concert, he doesn't tell me where my seats are. So he just texts me and said, hey, the, the tickets are in will call. You have four. And I was like, great. So we get to will call. I So two of my buddies go with me. So it's three of us. One ticket I didn't use because my one friend decided he was going to go somewhere with his girlfriend. He didn't want to come to the concert because he thought we were going to have shitty seats. True story. Mm-hmm. All right. So – we get there, and the lady hands me the ticket to Will Call. She was like, she's like, oh, you must know somebody. And I'm like, what? So I look at the ticket, and it just had zeros all over it. So we get down there. So it's my buddy Jamal and Matt. We get down there. We are front row, like right on the stage, like right where the I could, I could reach and touch the stage. Well, come to find out later, Jay-Z turned in his tickets because he had no family coming. Those were Jay Z's four tickets. Whoa! So, nice. And they're and they're right next to. I, I could literally walk out of my seat and walk backstage. So, so my friend Matt is in the one seat. Jamal's in the next. I'm in the next one. And the seat to my left, which is like right to the aisle way to the uh, backstage, no one's sitting there because I didn't have my other buddy didn't go. So we're standing there. Pharrell Williams performs with the nerds. And then this guy comes up and he stands next to me and he goes, hey, is anybody sitting here? You mind if I sit 
sit here for a minute? And I'm like, no, you're cool. You can sit there for a second. I don't have anybody here. And then I turn back and look at him. I'm like, man, you look familiar. Did you play basketball? He was like, I did. And I was like, oh, so we start talking about hoops. And then I start looking at him. I'm like, wait a minute. I think I saw you on, like, some show. Are you, are, do you rap? He was like, yeah, my name's J. Cole. And I'm like, <laughs> this is before he was – remember, yeah. he was on the Blueprint 3 album. Blueprint 3, yeah. Star yeah. is born. Yep. Nobody – you know, and I, I really wasn't hip to him. So, man, we talked about basketball, and he just was like – and I told him, I said, you know, I played for Cincinnati, and Jamal here played for the Bearcats as well. So – and we chopped it up, talked about basketball forever. So, anyway, so finally he goes, hey, man, thanks for letting me sit here, man. I just wanted to – kind of absorb the show from this angle, man. I got to go. I'll see you. And I was like, all right, man, see you. So he like, like leaves. I don't pay any attention. Man, Jay-Z comes down, performs, and about three songs into it, he brings J. Cole out for Stars Born. And everybody that was around us just starts looking at us like, you know him? I'm like, ah, like, he just pulled up. So, yeah, and when I tell you he's a hooper, like, we were talking about, like, really talking about hoop. Like, just the intricate parts of it, the game. That's my J. Cole story, man. It was and, – and it turns out he I, – I say, you know, Jay-Z, obviously, is my favorite rapper, but I, I put J. Cole up there as, you know, my top guy in this new generation of hip-hop. Yeah, no, nah, he's, he's – I've always said it's him and Kendrick. Like, he – there. I mean, I guess the holy trinity, if you will – Excuse that term, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's Cole, Kendrick, and Drake. I mean, that's these those are the three kings of this. Maybe not yeah. this generation, but that middle generation between the Jay Z, Nas, DMX. You know those guys, and I don't know the I'm thirty plus, but whoever the the and that's and I was telling somebody not to go on a tangent, but like the thing was going on with Young Thug and Gunner right now, and what they got going on legally. Oh, the racketeering and the Rico chart, whatever, whatever. We don't have to get into that. But my point is, is that to some respects, they are this generation's Jay and Oz and, and Kendrick and Cole. And, and like, they are, whether we, I mean, you know, I respect their grind and, you know, what they've been able to accomplish musically, the other stuff, whatever. Um, but my point is, is like, just imagine if Jay-Z and Nas got arrested for RICO charges at their prime of their careers when they're the number one artists in the, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that small, that younger generation, you know, Young Thug and Gunna and 21 Savage and like that's, that's their, not looping yes. 21 Savage with those two, but they are huge for that younger generation. But yeah, um, I met, I met Cole once too before and he's a really dope dude. I met him backstage at, um, and knows that theater called in Madison Square now. I think it's the Hulu Theater now, but it changes names depending on whoever cuts a check, right? But I think it's I, I think it's the Hulu Theater. But yeah, when he was doing the Dollar and a Dream tour, um, okay. early on, like this was about the time when uh, the Cold World, the Cylon story, the, the debut album came out. It was it was either right after that or right before it. Um, he had a he had a show, and I was backstage for that. And, Wait, um, where was this? Where was this at? New York. This was New York City. New, New York City. Was, okay. I was living in um yeah, I was living in I was at ESPN at the time, living in Connecticut. And um so I would go to New York all the time and I remember being back and he was a, just a really humble cat. And then again, this was years ago and he wasn't we knew J. Cole. I mean he had 
you know, he had made some appearances. This was this was after the Blueprint Three, um, so we knew him, but he wasn't J Cole, J Cole yet. Um, like he was doing the Dollar in the Dream tour, where he was literally charging people a dollar to get in. Um, and so, yeah, so we we went to the show. Um, a friend of mine, an ex girlfriend of mine, and she worked for Columbia Records, so she knew a lot of people in the industry. And so anyway, we went, we were backstage, just you know, chopping it up and. I was able to meet him and just just a really humble dude. And look, man, you know, I've been I've been in this business so long. You just you happen to just meet, you know, famous people or some of your heroes. Yep. And, you know, when it happens, you just pray that they're yes. cool. Like, <laughs> like, right, I, right. I, like, I don't want to I don't want to throw anybody on this podcast right now. But I remember meeting someone and, and I grew up like just rooting for this person. And we can get into it later. I don't want to do it right now. But like, I just remember meeting him like, damn, you're not you're not nice. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's yeah. like, it broke my heart a little bit, but nah, man, I, you know, this is, uh, I don't know what you asked me, Cole. Yeah. Cole, man. Cole is it, man. Cole is, I'm still listening to the, to the Dreamville mixtape that they just released. So, um, and the, yeah. the, the features, he is undefeated on features right now. Oh, and there's nobody touching his features this year. I mean, between London, Johnny, Johnny P, Caddy, what stick, Yep. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you so, you called me. I think it was maybe after the London track had come out, and you were like, "Is he really rapping in a British accent?" Like, yeah. <laughs> and then I called you. I'm pretty sure I called you after I heard Jay Z's feature on the Pusha T song. Yeah, and I'm like, Jay Z is what 52 years old, and he still rap better than everybody. <laughs> like, it's, like it's he's crazy. Fine wine, bro. Fine wine. He he definitely is fine wine, and the, and the way that Jay Z can still, what I love about Jay Z is he can still find a way to, you know, rap like he did back in the day, and and not lose any of that, but still have a little bit of the new age yeah. to him, but without yeah. trying to be a fifty year old dude with. Uh, uh, you know, oversized hat, do right, trying to be too much like this generation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Which I think, which I think is what happens with Kanye. I think Kanye tries to, he tries to be so much into this generation. To me, it's just too much. I, I, I just think it's too much. Whereas Jay Z just has that, that's a unique, I think, great balance. And yeah. I love that. But what I wanted to ask you about, and it's a, it's a two parter. Is one your thoughts on Kendrick Lamar's album, and then I want to talk about when he released the video that led to the album, The Heart Part Five. What were your thoughts on the album? Okay, so I love Kendrick so much. Like, again, he is he and Cole to me are like they're it. Like that's that they are the current gods current kings, the hip-hop culture is theirs. Like, they are the standard bearers. I mean, Jay-Z and Nas and, and others, are they, they're already, they, they already solidified. Like, they in, mm-hmm. they chilling. Like, they ain't got nothing to prove anymore. <laughs> um, but just with, 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 but yeah, it's just, it's just great every time Kendrick drops. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't do what everyone else is doing. He follows his own path and, you know, it's almost like I, I remember watching an interview um, years ago, and Missy and Timbaland were saying how they don't—they lock themselves in the studio 
like when they're creating music and they don't listen to anything else. They just, they don't want to be influenced by other works. They want to create what they want to create. And I feel like Kendrick does that. And I really appreciate every time he just pushes the envelope artistically, sonically. Um, His flows are always different. I love how he changes his voice on a single song where it may sound like there are three or four rappers on one joint. Yep. Um, So I just, I'm a big fan of Kendrick. Again, I don't like the Kodak Black stuff, but I, I just I did appreciate the album. Um, I love Pusha T's album. Um, I felt there was no wasted song, not a wasted beat, no wasted line bar. So I, it's just it's just refreshing. Hip hop is a is a is a tricky art form, and we talked about it with Jay Z. Is it's such a young genre, um, in in the broad scheme of things that literally we don't know how to grow old in it. Like, you know, Jay-Z, he's growing, he's maturing within the genre of hip-hop. Which um, is the first and, I think we've ever seen. Right. Like, you know, you, you know, a guy like Fat Joe is another guy that's that's figuring out how to maneuver in a space of, you know, still putting out dope music without sounding like an older guy trying to be young. Yep. And, and, you know, like 444 is an album that changed the game because it was massively successful. It still sounded new and fresh and hip with mature topics and without trying to sound like, all right, I'm trying to sound like I'm 25 when I'm yep. 48 or whatever Jay-Z was when he dropped that. Um, so, yeah, man, it's it's just it's cool to see older guys putting out quality work and they're featuring younger artists. Don Tolliver was on that joint. Lil Uzi Vert was on that Pusha T album. So I do like when the older guys mix with the newer guys. I appreciate, you know, pulling them back and trying to stay connected with that young generation. Lil Wayne birthed a lot of these cats, right? And uh-huh. he still does songs with some of these young artists. So I do appreciate, you know, if Kodak Black wasn't such an asshole, sorry, but you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind like the look. I just don't get what. He, I just don't dig what he stands for on a personal tip. Yeah. Um, like Twenty One Savage. I don't like. I don't know these cats, but like, I may not think Twenty One Savage is the greatest rapper, but some of like I don't know him like moral, but he isn't known for doing some of the stuff or at least saying some of the stuff that Kodak Black has said. But again, I don't want to. No one's perfect, and I'm not trying to paint myself as being holier than thou, and I've definitely made my mistakes, but I just, in order for me to give, in order for me to stand next to you, I need us to be on the same moral plane, at least to some sort of, you know, if I'm going to put my brand next to yours, you know, I can't really rock with you if you into some other shit. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to um, need to keep Jenkins Kodak Black podcast, man. We're oh, gonna... my God. I'd love to chop it up. I can, I can, I'd love to interview Kodak Black. I got questions. Um, I know you and I talked about Drink Champs um, and Nori, and I love that platform because it gives um, some artists, you know, from our generation and then some artists from the younger generation, that's maybe the generation of the Coles, and like Asa Rocky was on there the other day, um, had a lot of great things to say. And I know you kind of want a journalist, a legit journalist, as dope as Nori is on that show. Um, yeah. But yeah, nah, man, I just, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of hip hop, obviously, and to hear the recent albums that have dropped is just, man, it's just, it's, it's my ears have had a great summer. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's been great, man. The, the, the evolution of, of, of hip hop music. I mean, you think about 
when when hip hop started, it was just a quote unquote a fad, and then it just it's grown and grown. And you know, you fast forward to today, it's it's, it's one of the most popular genres in all of music, and it's 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 one of the most scrutinized too. I think at the same time, like anytime a hip hop artist drops an album, it is completely dissected. It's dissected yeah. on social media. Um, just everywhere you go, people talk about the hip, you know, J. Cole album or Pusha or whoever it is. You know, then there's debate on who's the best. And you just don't see that as much with other artists. Like Garth Brooks drops an album. You don't see people like dissecting it like they do Kendrick's right. album. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's a different uh, different time now uh, with hip hop that I, that I love that, you know, you go to a hip hop concert, you know, Gosh, in 2022, you know, whoever is performing hip hop artists, and you see such a such a more diverse crowd of people now. You know what I mean? Like they're just yes. all yes. kind of people at hip hop shows. Um, and, and quickly before I forget, um, on that hard part five uh, video, um, I do want to say the, my experience watching that video was a little unique in that I didn't. I didn't get to see all the comments about the video before I saw the video. So I was doing something and somebody sent it to me and said, Hey, here's Kendrick's new song. So I just clicked and I started watching it and I'm kind of like doing something else at the same time. So I'm not watching the video, like watching, watching, I'm listening to the song and I'm like, yo, that's the old Marvin Gaye song. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, this is dope. So I went back to watch it again, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, and like you know, a part of it, I'm like, man, he looks like he looks like Will Smith. I'm mm. like, I never realized how much he looked like Will Smith. So <laughs> like, I didn't realize that his face was changing. Right, like, right. That it was. I, I'm just like, man, he he favors Will Smith. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's OJ. That's and I'm like, okay, hold up, hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is way deeper. But yet the topic in which he's talking about is related to that particular person he you right. know, his face changes into then when he starts rapping like Nipsey, his mannerisms are the same as Nipsey. He's talking to Nipsey's family. I was like, Man, this is this is next level, man. Yeah, yeah, man. And it like again the visual is it pulls you in. Oh, I got to see what the rest of this album is about, right? You can't. No and that was that. That was the. That was how special videos were back then. Is you see a debut song, you see the the the, the video, and you like this song is hard. This video is crazy. I gotta get the album because if that's the if that's the first joint, I gotta hear what the rest <laughs> of it is like. <laughs> right. And that's right. exactly what this Kendrick rollout was. So. Yeah, yeah, man, it's I'm a huge, huge, huge Kendrick fan, and I, what I love about his music is each album is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, damn, doesn't sound like Good Kid, Mad City. Um, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly is completely different than anything else that he's ever done, and anything else that was out at that time. Um, and he just he he seems to always make sure that he has you know, Compton in there. He under he he, he keeps grounded of where he's from, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just it, yeah, man. It's just a uh, big fan of Kendrick, man. Big fan. No doubt. Like, hey, let's jump into this last topic. I want to talk about shoes, and uh, obviously, Bearcat fans have been talking a lot um, 
over the last, I guess, I don't know how many months it's been or a year since the Under Armour deal is doing whatever it's doing with, with UC. Um, everybody talks about, you know, Bearcats going back to Jordan one day. And, of course, I'd love to see that. And a lot of Bearcat fans would. I'm sure you would as well. And you, you even asked Wes Miller that in one of your interviews, right. um, which I thought had to be asked. Um, but two things. Uh, one, um, what's your latest shoe you bought? Oh, good question. Um, I don't even buy them like that. Whether the cool, they might have been the cool grays. I think I bought those. I think they dropped in January. Okay. December. You can't. Okay. I gotta think. That might have been my last pair. But I gotta think about that. Okay. Okay. That, actually, the cool grays are my favorite colorway of the Jordan Elevens. I think okay. that's the best. I think that's the best colorway. My my opinion. I'm not gonna argue. I, I'm, I'm the the breads and the concords are special to me, and then the Space Jams too. But the cool gray is just something special about that. This, and then yeah. with the patent leather and it and it shining. Whoop! I know, I know. I'm with you. Um, so I've got a question for you. I've never asked you this question in Bearcat basketball history. Who do you think has had the best shoe game? You. No, no. Well, <laughs> well. Thank you. Take take me out of the. I'm sorry. Take me out of the equation. I, I didn't even. I didn't even factor me in. Um, if you look at the guys, the on court, like I didn't play play like a lot right, of guys, yeah, but yeah. just from the on court experience of guys playing Rock and Jordans, who would you say is the the, the shoe goat of of UC basketball? Yeah. Man, um, shout out to Flight White. You got mm. he, he had a good run in yes, the UC uniform. That's that made uh, see and I see. I think too, like it's hard to give you one dude because I think of I think of Melvin Levis spinning around the rim, mm-hmm. and I think he had the twelves on. He did. Um, like that's an iconic image. Like yep. that. That's. I don't even like. I don't want to date myself too much, but like that's a big part of my childhood. Just seeing him fly in, spinning around with the twelves on. Kenyon catching the the half court lob with the with the I think the thirteens on. Like, mm-hmm. um, man, like that. Like Steve Logan has some too. Like it just. Yep. I'm gonna go maybe flight, but then I can't. Kenyon had a run too. Like, and you were on that. You were on those scenes with Kenyon. Like. Yep. Can you wasn't playing? Yep. <laughs> like yep. he wasn't playing around when it came to like yeah, I mean that those images and I've joked and I'm sure you have too, and I know he's I I I mean I he's working on it. Like I don't care about me saying that or not. Like you know that. Like he's he mm-hmm. knows what he hears the fans and he he's I know he had a did you did we talk about this? Am I breaking news when he said he was gonna go play golf with MJ and bring it up? Um, I don't know if that happened because I know he canceled it a lot happened. of. It happened, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I know that he. Uh, I know he canceled. Like you said, he canceled a lot of scheduled trips, and that was one of them. Um, but uh, he he like every. So I always wear Jordans when I'm covering. I mean, nine times out of ten, when I'm at a game, I got on some black jeans, a nice blazer, 
and some crazy J's on. It's just, and I love like when the, when I love when Demar comes up to me like, ooh, or when like when when Kyle or like when when Chris Lepore comes up. Um, but every time Chris, when every time Chris sees me, he's like, we gotta get. Yo, I was talking to I was talking to Chris at the AAC tournament, and we were we were warming the UC was warming up ahead of the Houston game, and Houston's a Jordan school, right? Mm-hmm. And all of their players, all of their assistants, Kelvin, they all got Jordans on, either Team Jordans or some crazy whatever's on, and I'm just watching them, and I turn to Chris and I go, the next time we play them. We need to be the team that I'm looking at, like, ooh, like, I'm right. sick of us not, you know, shout out to Under Armour and all of that. You know, I ain't trying to throw shade, but, like, it's just a classic. Cincinnati was the Jordan brand. Like, it yep. was just, they were the, one of the originals, and it just, it just, it, we, I, I want to see the jump man on the back with the, with the blocks on the side, and, the, like, I need, I need that full swag back. Uh, or, or the what was it the sea paw on the on the back or whatever but it just I just it was just such a classic look but um, I'm still trying to figure out what the last shoe I bought I haven't been going crazy of late I think it was the cool grays you got me thinking anyway but no either flight shout out the flight white shout out the yeah. Kenyan shout out the Melvin like those are the three that come to mind immediately I remember Max Seal had a few pair too um, was it the Team Jordans. I think he rocked a few of those, but um, Flight, Kenyon, Melvin, those are my three. Good. That's a good list. That's a good list. Good list. I love it. Yeah, and it's it's you know from a from a business standpoint, it's in 2022 the the whole you know shoe sponsorship thing is is not as easy as it used to be. Sure. And you know when I mean easy, it's like okay. This school's red and black. Let's go. Let's go sponsor them. You know the signature Jordan shoe lines, red and black. So this is going to help our sales. Like that was the thought process into like you see, like it was as simple as that. Um, but now in 2022, there's just so many more layers. It's like, who are you putting out in the NBA? Are, are we going to get a guy from your program that we could sign to you know the Jordan brand, i.e. Duke's putting out, you know, Zion and, and, you know, so forth and so on. Are you getting guys like that that we could, you know, eventually sign? So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a business thing because, you know, you know, the Jordan brand used to be a, you know, let's say a, you know, $100 million company. Now it's a multi-billion dollar company and they're trying to reach higher levels. So it's just they're just dealing with a different different business model but they're just and then you got then you've got the league you know are there teams in your league that are jordan already or nike or that factors in things so there's a lot of a lot of things on the business uh front that that need to be evaluated but um I, i think i can speak for a lot of people including yourself that we would love to love to see it happen as we uh we roll into the big 12 that would be dope indeed man it would be a great um, you know, when we usher it in to have the Jumpman logo right next to the Big 12 logo, that'd be special. That'd be special. <laughs> always, always say the the rollout for that, if you brought Kenyon Martin back to be on a video, like the the rollout would be insane. Like the, the hype video to say we're back. Like, <laughs> I, can, I, I can already see it. I can, uh, oh, man. 
I'm just thinking like we got and then like on the football front, if we if we were able to make it a full football basketball deal where like we got some stylish cats on the team. A lot of mm-hmm. like you know, like Dez was a cat that liked to get his his spats, his his cleats spatted and Evan does the same and but I could just picture like some clean like flu game cleats on mm-hmm. the on the black and red uni or the the some like even like some cement threes cleats mm-hmm. on like on like a, a all black like come on come yep. on we got to make this happen bro well i mean with the the the, the classic <laughs> retros are red and black right they're you know predominantly you know black red and white and what are the bearcats black red and white so you know but i uh, hey i think it'll happen one day one day keep, uh, keep pounding the pavement with it so man listen as always we we cover a lot of topics and um we're we're going to definitely get together and do this again but i do want to do a round table talking about the nil and the transfer portal so we're, we're going to connect up and we're going to make it happen sound good yeah man let me know yeah man hey i appreciate you man keep up the good work and uh once again just quickly tell everybody how they can uh absorb all your content Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Keith Jenkins on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then uh, KeithJenkins.com, Cincinnati.com. Good deal, man. Good deal, brother. Appreciate you, man. We'll definitely uh, catch up here soon. My man. All right, Keith. Appreciate it, bro.